from downtown, this is Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, we have Tom Methman here to talk about Solus 128. I slapped the bongos. I'll bet you people with coronavirus get more tranquility than this. Making it real right at the beginning there, John. Welcome to Nintendo Main Podcast, episode 256. We are your hosts. I'm Trey, Pinball Wizard Johnson. I'm Jeremy, now with 5G, Mikowski. I'm John, Trapsmith Knitter. And this week we have an exclusive interview with the developer of Solus128, Tom Methan. And uh, we're going to cut to that right now. Tom Meffin here to talk to us about Solus 128, which is a new game that has just released for the Switch. And welcome. Thanks for coming to the show here to talk to us. Hey, well, uh, yeah, thanks for having me along. I'm excited. How you feeling? Good. It's been a, <laughs> been a weird, whatever it is, week and a couple of days, I guess. <laughs> I bet. Everything's probably pretty busy, right, with the release of this game and all that? Yeah, well, um, I'm a lecturer in, my, in the day as well, so new trimester and a game coming out at the same time. It's been fun um, <laughs> bouncing around between the two. Wow. Oh, what do you teach? Data visualization and uh, games development. Okay. So, that kind of makes wow. sense with you can what... see the DNA there, in the game there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. I was yeah, I was going to ask you if you uh, if you had done any sort of like, I don't know, like shop class and circuit boards and stuff like that because that's kind of what this game makes me think of or like hacking or it, I've never hacked anything before, but you know like what you would think it would be some sort of the way you would hack, you know, if you remember like the like first Bioshock games kind of mm-hmm. had a hacking game like that, this kind of reminds me a little bit of that, but of course, like much more, uh, much more complex and more no, fun. I completely, I, 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 when you mentioned that it felt um, inspired by hacking mini games um, in your previous one, it did make me laugh because that wasn't, um, that wasn't something I ever thought about, but I could completely see where it was coming from because there is that sort of sense of flow and, um, kind of progression of things along which definitely is quite common in those hacking mini games mm-hmm. i love the yoshi hat that you have on there is uh what, what's your what's your favorite nintendo game just to ask you before we get into the the game <laughs> oh wow uh i think probably luigi's mansion series is one of my favorites oh cool yeah. I'm, I'm always a big fan of um <laughs> i just love how nervous he is in all of them and how he sings along to the theme tune and stuff to try and calm himself down. Oh so yeah, little touches that really make me laugh. Character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as Luigi's one of my favorite characters. I know he's John's favorite character as well. My favorite character. Yep. I don't know Player if you. Two for life. I don't know if it comes from the same from the from the same situation. Like I'm sure you played video games with your siblings, and you always had to be the second player. And I think that was where I ended up developing my love for Luigi was always being the second, have, always having to play the second <laughs> controller. So. 
I understand the being the eternal understudy, as they refer to him as. Oh, it's a good job that they gave him a year all to himself then, yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that, that was recently, I've lost track of time. Yeah. It's always it, the year of Luigi in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion 3 was great, though, on Switch. That was really, that was a lot of fun. That was like my number two game of that year when it came out, so. Yeah, I'm yeah, somewhere but, halfway through that at the moment, actually. I need to get back to that. Yeah, there's some really, really so, cool stuff in there. Like, the levels are awesome. Mm, yeah, and lots of uh, secret things to find, which is always uh, something that easily distracts me. For sure. So tell me about Solus. What does, uh, first off, like, what, is, what does the title mean? Solus 128. So I've been asked that a lot, and uh, it's I've not told anyone what it actually what what it means or where it comes from. Oh, it's uh, uh, because it's there's a bit of a a whole secret behind it. Um, but uh, I quite like the one to eight subtitle for it because it really makes me think. Going back to the Nintendo uh, kind of metaphor that you were mentioning, it makes me feel like it's a game that would be on a mythical 128 bit computer if we'd still gone down that naming structure, which really pleases me. And also I've got this, um, I watch a lot of YouTube channels like number file and stuff like that. So I have this kind of real obsession with hiding prime numbers and um, powers of two and things like that into the games. So it, um, <laughs> there's lots of things like that that I've hidden in just for my own amusement. And that's part of where one to eight came from as well, I guess. It's a very oh. Cody number. Okay. I always, uh, I don't know, it reminded me of like a, I don't know if you remember like the old uh, Vaporware soft, like the Mario 128 game that was supposed mm-hmm. to come out for GameCube, which never happened. And it, it just made me think about that. And I was like, huh, instead of, maybe that's a reference to that. But that would, I mean, that makes sense if you have a, you know, prime numbers hidden in there and stuff, because just, just looking at this game for anybody who has like, hasn't played it and just looks right, right at the trailer. It looks like incredibly complex where it's kind of like, uh, I don't know <laughs> what's, uh, like, cause I, you know, Ryan emailed me about it and, and, sh- and, and said, Hey, you know, check this out. And I looked at the trailer and I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't really know where to, where to go on this, but it's once you, once you get into it and, you know, and play around with the game, there's a lot. It's complicated. It, it can get, it can get very complex towards the game. I uh, I was I was convinced like I was playing it last night and I was I was like eighty percent convinced that I had completely screwed myself over and that I had that there was no way out of where I was but I found my way out. That was what I was going to ask you if it's possible for you to screw yourself over in the game. Me, was that in the red branch by any chance? Uh, it was towards the left side, like like farthest to the left. And there's <laughs> and it's the the solid lines. Yeah, there's like uh-huh. three solid there's a bunch red of lines. Yellow filters. Yeah. And uh, it, I I got it to where the red line went all the way up through like two screens, and I couldn't. And the and the the like light wave, whatever. I don't. What do you what do you refer to that as? Like the the thing that's moving. Oh, uh, that you're, I, I, that I you're call reflecting. them pulses. Pulses. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So the so the pulses wasn't wasn't coming into the room that I was trying to work with, and I couldn't figure out how to turn off the the red the red thing. So I was like, what? But then I I figured it out. So I don't think I'm I'm sure that. There's no way for you to completely back yourself into a corner in this. No, well, yeah, as far as I'm aware, there isn't. Um, because one of the things I really wanted, uh, one of the things I really like in this type of game is when uh, it kind of encourages experimentation. So I never wanted anything in there that would um, kind of reset anything or break anything, if at all possible. Because it's much more fun if you can you know, try stuff, see mm-hmm. how it plays out, see what the interactions is. It's a bit like a, a Rune Goldberg machine, you know, where you're... 
like lining everything up, seeing what happens and then going, oh, well, that's just going entirely the wrong place, but it's fine. I'll just tweak it a little bit and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are some bits where, where you'll have seen where the world changes a little bit as you progress, but nothing that sh- should ever kind of lock people or block progress like an old point and click adventure game. Cause that was a, <laughs> that was never fun even back in the day. Yeah. No, I, I didn't, I didn't think that it, that it fully would. It's just, there's some times where it's kind of like, I, I just don't know. And I did actually, there was a part where I did have to like watch a, I found it, found somebody did a playthrough on YouTube just to get me to the next part, which I, which I hate doing. Cause I'd rather just figure it out myself. But, but I found it very, I find it very like, uh, relaxing like relaxing and frustrating at the same time but in a good way you know where mm-hmm. it's just and especially uh the last week i i didn't i didn't mention the music just because i hadn't really listened to it yet but and i feel bad about that but uh it, it has like kind of an adaptive soundtrack that sort of changes like as you do things from one thing to another and i and i love i love stuff like that so it's been with listening to the music and playing it kind of just like pulls me into it and i'm just like i'm like stumped but i'm still like hypnotized by it especially with the rhythm like the rhythm of the pulsing and all that will kind of just really yeah. will really pull you in did you did you do the soundtrack or did did you have did you have somebody else do it no so um i i i'm the kind of i don't know what you call it lead developer in that i did all the programming but we had uh, a guy called uh jamesy on board who did uh, all the music so there's tracks for all the different kind of areas as you say and then we had a guy called Stephen on who did all the sound effects. And it was born out of, what was it, in 2019, we did a Global Game Jam event. And I had this idea in my head that I wanted to do for a while. Uh, that I wanted to do like a, a rhythm-based arcade puzzle game, a bit like, you know, a Luminous or a Tetris effect or something like that. Um, and we've been talking backwards and forwards for a bit that we should do something. So when I saw they'd both turned up to this event, uh, I just basically grabbed them both. And went, right, you two, you're coming and working on a game with me. I have an idea. It's going to be great. And we made this little game called um, Hegem there, which is, yeah, quite weird and sinister and uh, rhythm-based. And it, <laughs> it gets really angry if you win that game and turns itself off. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. a really fun, weird little jam game. But then because we'd worked on that one, I had this other idea kind of bouncing around in my head that ended up becoming Solace. And I was like, right, I want, I want the rhythm aspect in it. Uh, I, I can't do music to save my life. And I knew how good uh, Stephen was at doing kind of this mysterious, slightly sinister background noises that I really kind of wanted to have in it. Cause I like this idea of it being all bright and colorful, but with this um, weird undertone of just something's wrong but you, it's never really stated. It's just, you can feel something's wrong. So it was really nice to get them both on board because um, obviously the sounds and the music linking to the rhythm is such a big part of, well, not just the feel of it, but also the gameplay. Cause as you say, all the pulses move to the rhythm as well. And timing becomes a really big, well, timing the pulses, not like any timing input from the player, but working out how to line things up and making sure they're on the same beats becomes quite important later on for the puzzles as well. So it helps it um, helps it make it more obvious to the player, I think, when you've got the music pounding along with it. Yeah, it's really cool. Like you get to the point where there's these, uh, you know, there's the uh, reflectors for the pulse where they'll change, like where they get hit from one side, they'll switch to the other, and that's kind of moving. That's what I was thinking of. Is you know, they they move with the beat on that, and it's 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 really cool. And I've gotten to the point where I'm at. It, there's these um, like icon on the floor that you like to activate whenever the pulse goes over it, and if it goes over it again, it it 
disappear. So you, you kind of have to like have it go over once and then move it and then change it to another thing. And some of them are pretty, pretty active in, in what you have to do through that. And it seems to be getting more and more complicated, which is, which I enjoy. I mean, it's the, <laughs> you know, it's like the Nintendo equation, right? Like easy, easy to understand, but uh, difficult to master, you know, where it's uh, seems simple at first and then it gets, as you, as you go, it gets more and more complicated. So. I think yeah, it's... and uh, I really like the concept of uh, like you have this kind of possibility space of what you can do with the the pieces and the interaction of the pieces and things in the game. So what I, kind of happens in the game is as you go more and more, I sort of explore weirder corners of that possibility space. So like, yeah, it's like you were mentioning with those um, kind of glyphs and buttons and things. It's like what happens if there are things you have to actually open or close at certain times and then what happens if you have other beams that can remove colors from the light and that you have to deal with as well and it's just fun to kind of because one of the things i did for a lot of the puzzle design was because the whole game's this kind of slightly complicated system running under the hood when i first got the system working i didn't actually know what would happen in certain corner cases so (laughs) i was like i don't quite know what the game's going to do if i make two pulses hit the same mirror at the same time so let's see what happens and if that makes sense and then, oh, actually, that's really interesting. And then you end up going, right, that's a really interesting technique. How do I design a puzzle where the answer is to do that? So so some of the stuff that you discovered while you were developing it ended up becoming like parts of the game later, is what you're saying? Yeah. As like a yeah, exactly. Puzzles. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and we had uh, at Armour, we had a, a internal tester called Ivan, who was almost immediately much better at the game than I was. Um and he kept sending me these really wild and incredible solutions for some puzzles. Is- and then you occasionally just go, oh, that solution's better than the one I intended. So I'll just tweak that <laughs> a little bit to make that that one <laughs> be like the better solution or the more uh, obvious solution. It's possible to do a lot of these in different ways, right? To complete the the segments in various ways. Because when, when I was looking at the guide to try to figure out where I was at, I was like, I was like, I don't want to see how much they did because I don't want to to feel like, oh, I did that wrong. I was like, I don't want to see how they did it. Like, I already know how I did it there. I just want to get some help. And I really like how you've uh, how you've included like a help system, but not a full help system. Like, you can get like two hints per room, right? About like some same. Yeah, it, some it varies a little bit between uh, throughout the game, but yeah, a lot of them have around two. Mm-hmm. And that's it's really nice to help you if you're like really really frustrated but also at the same time it might be they might show you something you've already did that you've already done it's like okay well i already did that but sometimes that's nice because uh one thing we found when people were playing is um you're not actually sure if what you've done is right until the solution works so sometimes even having the confirmation of yeah you've probably got that bit right still means you can sort of go all right i can leave that there and then fiddle with the other bits which still helps a little bit I'm glad so many people have been finding the hint system helpful because there was <laughs> there was a lot of discussion about about whether we should have one, kind of how explicit it should be with hints. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've played a lot of puzzle games where the hint system's kind of too explicit. And then what happens is I start finding myself where I go, if I get even slightly frustrated with a thing, I'll just click the hint system and then I get the solution. And then I go, oh, right, well, now I've not got that buzz from solving the puzzle. Yeah. So I kind of wanted the hint mm-hmm. system to still make it feel like you'd solved the puzzle. So even if you used it, you still felt good when you'd solved the room or the area you're in. <laughs> I guess it's up to the players about whether they still feel that. I have no idea, but that was the aim at least. 
Yeah, no, no, I like that actually. I'm glad that you did that because yeah, I've I've felt that same way before where you are trying to figure out a puzzle and then they give you the whole answer and it's kind of like oh well. But it's but I like I like that you only give some of it, you know, and you still have to put the rest of it together. So it's like if you're really really mm-hmm. frustrated, be like, well, what about you know what about here? Like like try this maybe. And sometimes it's been where I where it's this one thing I just didn't think of. And I was like, oh shit, you know, and, and for the most part, it, I've been able to get through it like that, you know, so, but I think, yeah, I've, I've been having a great time with it. Thank you. I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that. It was, uh, <laughs> it's been a really weird process because it started out, um, uh, in 2019 as, uh, I was at the time I was doing lots of short projects cause I just was, I'd been doing a, a big project for a couple of years that just never really felt right. So I was like, oh, I'll just make loads of little things just experiment a little bit. So when I first started this, I was like, oh, it'll only take about three months. That's fine. It's, it's this weird idea. I don't quite know if it's even going to work. I'll just spend three months on it, release something. And then six months after I started, I went, hmm, I, yeah. Okay. So we <laughs> might need to reassess those timescales as I'd, um, you know, made something like 20, 20, 30 rooms by that point. And I was suddenly realizing, ah, oh, this is, this is just with really basic mirrors. I've already made 20 or 30 puzzles. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near exploring the whole complication here. And I've got all these ideas for other pieces that I want to introduce as well. Um, so it's been, it's odd. It, it almost feels like it's this jam game that's grown all its, all these arms and legs and has become this big, hopefully really well polished thing that I'm really excited to see people play, but I haven't ever quite. I'm still feeling a bit strange about how how that's changed because it's still kind of my little jam game and now it's out and being reviewed by people and it's very surreal. It makes sense because you had such a sort of an abstract art piece and whenever I look at abstract art as far as like painting or music and everything you think oh how was that done? Well it was done organically it was done bit by bit a little bit at a time and it kind of grew from there like you said that, that there were points where you didn't expect a certain outcome to happen, but then, oh, that's actually a better solution. It mm. totally makes sense now that you say that. Yeah, because well, one of the original things as well is like, one of the things I'm really happy with is the fact that we basically, it's, apart from the setting screen and a few credits, it's effectively entirely wordless. So I, when I was first making it, I really, because um, I teach data visualization, and I teach all like the good practice about like this is these are Gestalt laws and this is pre-attentive features and these are written all variables and this is how you make a visualization so anyone can understand it. So then when I come home, I kind of wanted to go, okay, but what happens if I don't do all that? And where are the limits of that? And what can I play with? And what can I tweak? And kind of what can I? And that kind of sparked in this like, how can I communicate all of this wordlessly as much as possible? Which was, <laughs> which was really fun. But it, there was a few times when you're just going, right, somebody in testing is not understanding this mechanic and I'm not allowed to put some tutorial text up. So mm. there was loads of weird places where they would be, they'd get to say the end of a branch and they wouldn't understand the mechanic. And rather than fix it there, I realized I had to go add puzzles that introduce that mechanic kind of 10 or 20 screens earlier. Mm-hmm. So mm. that then it was more ingrained in their head. And that was a really fun challenge. And there was also this other thing in back of my head that, what if you took a game that was all about merging and splitting colors and then tried to make it colorblind friendly, which is where all the shapes of the pulses come from. Cause it's a, te- it's a technique called additive glyphs where we've got three different shapes for red, blue, and green. But whenever we add, uh, merge the colors, you just m- merge the shapes as well. Hmm. 
So you get this fun thing where sort of white is all three primary colors merged. And then that became this, that, that again took on these, this life of its own and became almost this slightly strange alien language that the player learns as they go through. And it all feels like it's somebody else completely understands it. But when you start, you're just like, okay, what is, what are any of these symbols? Like, mm. <laughs> but hopefully by the time you get further into the game, you start feeling like you understand this world, you understand this space and you go, all right. And that's, these are appearing over here. And I kind of get what that will mean now. That was a really fun thing for me when I first started of like, how can I subvert some of these things that I, how can I subvert this good practice? How can I try and um, get around these things? So I guess that's kind of why it still feels a bit like a jam game to me. Cause it's that sort of thinking that you're doing the jam of like, okay, everyone does it like this. What if I don't, <laughs> what happens <laughs> then? It, it, yeah, um, it's, it's almost like uh, communicating with somebody with a new language, like from, from what you were saying and, and that's uh, it's it's just like how do I want you to be able to understand? It's like you want I want you to be able to understand this from looking at these images, but I don't want to directly tell you, which I really like. I, I like the uh, minimalist of it. It's like you know, it's like a movie where you want to you want to be able to tell everything like just from just from one action instead of like actually saying it. You know, it's like I, I appreciate right. I appreciate that, uh, and I, I like that in, in gaming as well. And it's and the, and I and you know like what you were talking about with the uh, sound effects, like kind of how this this alien being that like exists like within the programming, and the and the music of and like the the audio cues of that, it it kind of makes everything seem a little bit scarier because you don't really know what's happening. You're like kind of in this in this new world in this new you know language that you're not familiar with, and it's kind of like. Oh, what's what's happening and then for me that kind of like brings me into it you know where it's like oh i just mm-hmm. everything is different here and I, and I and i like that because it sets a tone for it yeah it's like that feeling that you know there's you know there's rules and you know that something is going on that makes sense to someone but you have to learn what those rules are as you play and i, I heard somebody um i can't remember who it was but they described games like the witness and stuff like that as kind of a metroidvania for your mind and i've always liked that design principle it's like once you finish the game, you know how to do everything in it. But part of the reason you can't progress, so you can't go down one branch, is because you just don't understand that how that mechanic or that interaction works yet. And it's not that you know there's an arbitrary gate stopping you. It's the fact that you you just don't know how to unlock it in your head yet. And I really like that in puzzle games when you have that sort of feeling of you go back and go, oh, I now know, I completely understand why this is happening because I've gone on a bit further and I've seen how it all interacts up here. And there's some, I'm not sure if you've got them yet, but there's some really fun things later on where there's things you can do to kind of bypass some of the rules in the game. Um, and you can kind of make new beams and stuff. Hmm. And there's no new rule or anything into that. It's just, it's part of the system. And the first time you see it, you go, oh, of course it does that. But I wouldn't necessarily have thought about that until until I got to that stage. And that's kind of the fun bit of you almost getting this toolkit of things you then go and use to solve later puzzles. Oh, cool. Which is, that's cool. Yeah, so rather, than, rather than getting an upgrade or something like in a Metroidvania, it's just, it was always there. You kind of feel like, oh, the game sort of played a trick on me or something, you know, like it got one over on me. It's, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a fun challenge. Yeah, that- yeah well, I, get, I hope it makes the... I guess the point is to make the player feel smart, right? To, mm-hmm. That's part of the not telling them. It's you then discover that and you go... Oh, and then it feels like it feels like you made that discovery, and now it's down to you. Whereas, obviously, it's because I redesigned that room seventy-two thousand times until people did the right thing. But <laughs> that's all supposed to be hidden, for sure. 
when when you when you develop these rooms like did you uh did you write it all out on paper like did you i don't know i have i have an idea in my head of like that uh meme of the guy from uh always sunny with like all the stuff on the where you have everything like planned out or did you plan it all through a computer program like when you're like when you're doing these rooms was did it all come from like one thing and then it all spawned off from them or or was it what what was your process in in creating like the map of of this um so i i (laughs) i guess there's two answers to that there's the there's the procedural techie answer which is i used uh, a tool called tiled which is this quite well-known um tile map editor um and it's using a lot of stuff like rpgs and things like this and i feel like i (laughs) i am not using it for how it was how it was designed so i actually have this one uh tiled thing i'll have to show you after we finish talking which is the entire map in a 253 by 253 tile map Mm -hmm. and every single tile in there was placed by hand and uh you know slowly iterated upon as we went through uh, so that's really fun because uh, i'm now looking back on that and going oh yeah i made that puzzle six months ago the kind of design answer though is it was a really odd process because i had a few things it was like right, i want to start in the bottom left corner of the map and i know i'm gonna end in say the top left corner of the map but i have no idea how i'm going to get from that place to that place apart from i roughly knew that there was going to be you know four areas so i roughly knew i needed stuff on the left and stuff on the right and stuff at the bottom and then i just started with the first level and was like right what do i need to teach people first well i need to teach them you know get the thing from here to here these mirrors rotate and it's like okay now i need to teach them that some mirrors drag and so on and so on and then uh once i'd got kind of that first area down i remember back in 2019 i took it to a local college game expo that was run by a friend of mine and it was the first time i'd shown it and it had maybe 40 screens on and it was just so interesting to see people sit down and play it because no one else had ever seen these levels before and i had no idea if any of them would work and most of them didn't like at all and what i learned from that is a lot of times uh some if some so there was levels that people would just find a much simpler solution to than the planned one but then if they required that technique later on they just get horribly stuck because they hadn't learned the technique. So uh, I then went back and the first area in the purple with the purple goo was rewritten so many times to try and uh, through testing and stuff, just iterate on to make it more obvious what you're supposed to do and to give more hints for people. But what, what became really fun in the design process as I was doing this, I'd quite often get to a spot where I've like, I've got these five levels up here that are really cool. And I've got this two levels down here that are really cool. And I now need to join them together somehow. And because it's all one connected map, I'll then have a room where I was just like, so I know red comes in and I know yellow has to go out there. And now I have to, <laughs> I have to now design a puzzle in this space where I already know what the input and output are, is, but I don't know what the middle bit is, what the actual puzzle is. And that, that became really fun because quite often I'll just draw what looked like some cool architecture in it and then go, right is it now possible to make a puzzle in this space with that input and output? And sometimes it was, and some of the best, my favorite puzzles in them were done that way. And sometimes it didn't work at all. And then you go, right, this doesn't work because of the timing. I need to move the input one space to the left, but I can't do that because then that puzzle before that doesn't work. So sometimes I ended up going back three or four puzzles to try and tweak and make all these timing work. And I remember in the last, 
Bourbon, you talked about the puzzle where you go, you go off on this little adventure with the white beam and you go all the way to the right and then you oh, come yeah. all the way back disassembling everything. Yeah, that was really cool. And that was one of the ones that was really fun to design because I just had this idea of that would be a really cool thing to show how it's really interconnected. But then I just started mocking stuff out and seeing like, like, does, is, is this a puzzle? If I just put loads of stuff in here and I tweak this, is that a puzzle? Or what does it then need to make it a fun puzzle? And the whole process of making it was just effectively learning like what is a good solace puzzle mm-hmm. and that's why the first area got redone because uh, i did the branches with the filters and the buttons and the ones with the prisms and then i went back to the beginning and was like oh wow these aren't these aren't very good anymore just because i know more about the game i know more about what makes a fun puzzle so it's re- yeah it's really it was a really weird iterative process but it was really really fun because i was constantly learning about the game and about the interactions in it and even after launch, I saw some people in the Discord we've got put this solution to a puzzle. And I was like, oh, I had no idea the game would do that if you set it up like that. That's cool. <laughs> like, great. I mean, it makes total sense that it would do that, but I've never seen that before. <laughs> I've been doing this for two years. That, that's, that's awesome. Really that's awesome that it like still worked and it didn't like end up breaking the game in the process. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that, that it's, you know the, the program is so good that it's able to work work with other solutions and stuff like that. I think it's really cool. Yeah, the the game doesn't really the game doesn't care what your solution is. It nowhere is it hard coded. You have to put a mirror here or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you get the right color into the right gate, the game just goes yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> which is why mm-hmm. you, you get all those rooms where you might have different solutions um, and different shortcuts and things you can do, which is, which is fun, but also sometimes a nightmare when people kept doing the wrong thing. You're like, no, 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 no. You have to this one. You do have to do it this way, or you won't learn the thing. <laughs> so. Sometimes you just you'll just see me occasionally put a glitch piece in and go. We're just gonna we're gonna make you not be able to do that one. Mm. It's fine. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying like what is like two hundred by two hundred? Like how many actual like uh, I don't know how how many frames are this total? Like in the whole map? Do you do you know like what the total count is? Like when you get uh, through the whole thing? Kind of. It's slightly because of the. <laughs> because of me making things difficult for myself with, as you know, some puzzles are kind of across multiple screens and things. It's a bit hard to count, but it's roughly, if you include all the secrets and all the hidden stuff, about 178 different unique screens. Okay. And it's, oh God, what was the number? It's, uh, yeah, over 18,000 like individual pieces in the tile map that is placed as well. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide that enough was enough? There's like so many puzzles in the game. It's like, why that number? What made you say, oh, okay, that's it? Um, well, so I, <laughs> I was teased a lot by um, some family members. I kept adding stuff into the game, and I from the very beginning I was like, no, no, I've not added anything new. Like these were all on my list, so I had all the mechanics down from the beginning that I wanted to do. Some of them got modified or tweaked to make them more fun, but they're all down there. So one of the things I just arbitrarily picked that it was going to be, I think it's seventeen by. Uh, 18 by 18 screens the map i just at the beginning i just arbitrarily picked that and went it's probably big enough and i always assumed as i was going through that i would shrink it because it was such a ridiculously large space but then i just kept finding oh that's a cool thing so maybe i'll make a puzzle about that or i have this idea for this area so i'll make an area like that and i guess in the end part of what it was is i basically got to the stage of going i can't think of anything more that wouldn't be repeating an idea from earlier or wouldn't be 
kind of not fun because there were some puzzles that I tried and they worked, but just weren't fun. And there were some mechanics like that as well. So I, at one point I had teleports in and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool from a timing issue. Cause you can make them travel three beats in the rather than one and you can do all this. And then I just realized they just weren't fun at all <laughs> because one of the nice things you've got those continuous beams. Uh, so breaking them up just made it impossible for players to know what was going on. And you could kind of do the same thing by just making beams go diagonally. So I was like, wow, it's more fun to do more with less mechanics. So they got stripped out and it was kind of the same with the map. I got to the stage of going, right, I've got, I've like played with all the interactions I found and can think of. <laughs> also the map's getting a bit full now and I'm not sure where I'd put any more levels in. <laughs> so I guess it, yeah, it was more, it wasn't about levels. It was more, I feel like I, explored as much of what the game could do as i wanted to um which was sort of an intuitive moment i guess mm. yeah absolutely and i'm sure if someone else was making it someone else would probably come up with some new weird interactions in it i could <laughs> i couldn't so i was like well i it, it was already by that point quite a lot so you kind of go well i'd rather it be each of them be unique than try and repeat too many ideas or anything like that how easy was it to work with Nintendo, like uh, on getting as far as like getting it on the eShop and that sort of thing? So I uh, I didn't do any of the communications with that. Um, so I I honestly don't really know. The development process was was quite fun though. I'd never done anything like that before. So quite early on, I thought uh, I'd got it working with Touch on PC from quite early on. So I thought, oh, actually, I think this would be really fun to play on Switch with the touch screen. Because I always, I, I'm always surprised how few Switch games use the touchscreen. Can right. can, can um, you use the touchscreen on the on Solus mm-hmm. handheld? I've I've been played it handheld. I've mostly been playing it on the dock. Yeah, the whole thing can be played uh, with the touchscreen uh, fully on handheld. Um, well, on both PC and Switch actually, because uh, we I had it on. I have a touchscreen laptop, and I was playing a lot like that when I was testing. So, um, like. For me, it's a really weird thing to have the game on Switch um, and have a bunch of my friends have them. So it's just really weird to see these pictures of them sending, like normally normally relatively polite, but also slightly sweary messages saying, I've got to this puzzle, you absolute bastard, um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. But it's just been really nice to see it because, you know, um, they've been sitting down and playing it. And a lot of the people I know who've been playing it on like TV mode They've quite often played it with partners or family because it's that sort of thing where quite often someone would just go, have you tried this? Mm-hmm. And they'll go, no, I haven't. And that will actually be the solution because as you were saying, sometimes you get kind of stuck in mm-hmm. one line of thought. So someone else coming along and saying, what about doing it this way can sometimes really help and break you out of that. Um, <laughs> my favorite experience was actually I have a, my niece, um, uh, I have a couple of nieces and they were playing it together. One of them, I think at the time was seven or eight. And I just heard over voice chat, oh, I, I bet you put the piece down there because Uncle Tom's really sneaky. And I was just, I was sitting there <laughs> laughing because I was like, that's exactly what I've done. I absolutely did do that. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's like terrifying that uh, apparently, my, apparently my sneakiness is about uh, the seven-year-old girl level when it comes to some of these things. <laughs> I'll if I, whenever I get stuck in, the, stuck in this game now, I'm going to think, hmm, Tom was being sneaky. <laughs> It's a pretty good first step, honestly. When I when I thought I'd completely uh, 
backed myself into a corner last night. I almost I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, I can always I'd always take a picture of it and tweet it, you know, and see like see if you have a Twitter or something and try to try to find you. And I've actually found that hap- that works sometimes for indie stuff, like just tweet wherever you're stuck and hashtag the game or whatever, and sometimes the developers will actually answer where answer what you're supposed to do and stuff like that. But thank thankfully I figured it out. I was gonna be like I was gonna be like, Hey, here it is like tell me now, you know, like <laughs> I was <laughs> do it like do it like during the interview. No be like, Hey, what what do you do? Oh, we have a we have a Discord, and there's actually, there's quite a lot of people on there. And one of the really nice things is when it came out, we had um, a few people who'd just terrifyingly clever who'd gone through almost all of it really quickly. And there's now people on there picking apart all the weird little secret stuff that I'm sitting there going, "No one's ever going to figure out that thing." That's just me being deliberately obtuse. And today, someone figured it out, and I was like, "Wow, that was quick." All right, um, but it's been a really nice help help section on there where people will be coming in and saying like i'm really stuck on this and what's really nice is people are giving gentle nudges they're not like saying oh put the thing here you're getting these really nice hints of oh maybe maybe something needs to go you know on a slightly longer route or something like that mm. and quite often i'll look in thinking oh i should give a hint here and go oh no someone's somebody's already given a much better hint than i was going to go mm-hmm. do fine great tick so it's it's that weird thing where puzzle games can sometimes be really collaborative even though they're single player experiences it's 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 fun to see people helping each other out like that, which I really like. So yeah, by all means, by all by all means, tweet tweet me a picture. <laughs> How did you come to work with Armor Games? So what happened is really early on in the process of this, I talked to a guy called Ian Hamilton, who's an accessibility consultant, because that additive glyph thing I mentioned, I was like, I think this is a good idea, but I'm not colorblind, so I want to go and talk to someone who will know a bit more about this than I do. And he was really kind enough to like um, talk to me a bit on Twitter and give me some hints. And he was the one who brought up the reason we've got contrast settings in the game is he was the one that brought up that um, if you have a weakness in any, in any of your color senses, then actually seeing a narrow, say red line on a black background can be really difficult. And because colorblindness and all that stuff is so complicated and everybody's very different, mm. he was saying, right, it would be really nice if you could change the contrast. And that's why that came up like that. Um, it was just something I'd never even thought of. But anyway, so I was t- talking to him. He gave me loads of uh, really good points early on. And then when a few months later, I think I put out kind of the first trailer that I'd made myself. And it was like, it was sort of this official like, hey, this is this is actually a thing. I know it's fun now. And I'm definitely going to properly try and finish this. So here's the thing. And um, he, he'd, been re- he'd been kind of really nice. And he retweeted it and was saying like, hey, this is really cool. It's a game with all these accessibility options in. Um, and someone from Armour, Dora, saw it and reached out to me that way in this sort of like, <laughs> kind of, what what is this? Because it's a rhythm game where you don't really need to have any sense of rhythm. And, you know, it's a puzzle game, but also you have all this exploration stuff in it. Uh, why don't you come talk to us? Um, so I pitched to them. I say pitched. I sent them an incredibly nervous email going, I don't know really what I'm doing, but here's my video mm-hmm. game. I hope you like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's how we kind of met and how I ended up with uh, my producer, Sean, who um, <laughs> yeah, I'm dealing with Ryan as well. And Sean's a massive puzzle fan. So I think he just sort of saw it and went, oh, I, I, I want this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I, I want to make this happen in some way, which was really nice of them. And they've been really, really, supportive for what i know is a really 
odd game to publish, right? Because puzzle games are difficult to publish at the best of times. And, uh, and this one is one where it just has a lot of weirdness in it, which is what makes it what it is. But I, I, I'm sure they're just sitting there going, oh, Tom, just why didn't you make a more normal game sometimes? <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many games in the eShop that I think it helps so to make something like so unique and different. Yeah, like it's a, definitely you know because it's if it was you know if it was like another like shoot 'em up or another like NES looking game, you know, then maybe people would glance over it as much. And I don't I don't know how much exposure it's it's been getting because there is like so many things like released like a week or per day even on there. But for me, it, def- it definitely stuck out to me because I was like, oh well, this is something I haven't seen before. So that you know, I hopefully that's you know, people find that interesting or it's, they're drawn to that. And, and hopefully, you know, we try to do as much as we can on this show to try to draw people to it as well. Cause I think it's, I think it's very unique and very cool. And I'm, I'm happy that it's on, that's on the switch, you know, it's just another thing adding to like the uniqueness of the switch and just how much different things you can do on it and all that. So it's, oh, thank you. I, yeah, I really appreciate that. And like, I think one of the things armor room much better than me at doing i i always want to make things as mysterious as possible and kind of like oh it's weird and interesting and, and that's not great for you know sales or pitching or getting people to actually buy the game so they were really good at that of going okay no that's great but also we do need to tell people what the game is at some point you're like okay fine so it's been that like really really nice having that kind of <laughs> What's the term? Guiding hand, sort of to occasionally go. Okay, Tom, that you, you're being too weird now. We just need to reel that back in a bit, uh, mm-hmm. and like, and you know, this is how they. This is this is the people we can talk to, and like with Ryan talking to you and stuff like that. It's definitely got a lot more, I guess, exposure uh, than I could never ever imagine when I started it, uh, which has been part of why it's just so odd because it's just like seeing people. And because it's wordless as well, just you'll occasionally just go like, "Oh, a, f- a French Twitch streamer is is playing it," or we've got a bunch of um, Chinese reviews from uh, Chinese puzzle fans who have like one of them was this incredibly long, incredibly detailed review that was just they were so knowledgeable about puzzle design and puzzle games in general, and that's really cool because you're sitting there going, "That's amazing that to think that you know someone." half the world away is playing this game and totally getting it because and in a way that they wouldn't have done if it had been traditionally kind of full of words which is yeah that's what's been blowing my mind this week just going oh cool someone in germany likes it great i love it yeah i think that's something that, that definitely benefits it recently i've i've got back into watching mr bean and thinking about why that is so popular it's because it's wordless right mm-hmm. so now it's universal and i think the same for your game that's definitely a benefit you don't, yeah. don't have to worry about localization and stuff like that because there isn't a whole lot of dialogue to translate or you know like stuff to understand. It's just all visual, and it, you know, like I was saying before, it's like creating a new language mm. that people understand because there's not actual like font in there. I mean, very very minimal if there is. Yeah, there was there was one bit that I I did after much convincing relent on, which was the settings menu originally had no words. And just nobody knew what any of the buttons did. Um, and people kept telling me, like, you can't have that. Like, nobody knows will know what the buttons did. And I was like, nah, it's fine. And then we had a beta, and then no one knew what the buttons did. And you're like, okay, fine. No. <laughs> uh, so we have got a bit, and we've we translated all of that to the 29 different languages that are supported on Steam, I think, hmm. which was fun. That was a good inter- That was a good interaction 
uh, like an, a good introduction even to uh, going, oh, I have no idea how you render uh, like Arabic or Thai or Korean or traditional Chinese or Japanese. And <laughs> sitting there going, I okay, I've got the fonts and I think I, it's now rendering correctly and just having to go and read all these things about like, is that rendering correctly? Is that how the is that how the characters are supposed to look? Because it's just nothing I'd ever looked at before, which is really fun and really interesting. But it's this thing that when you're doing it, um, you know, ten at night on a Sunday evening, and you're just going, I don't, I genuinely can't tell if this this is looking the same as this other thing by now. I've just gone completely character blind. So <laughs> it was really nice to uh, to actually get that working. And, and some of the reviews have kind of on steam have pointed out that yeah oh yeah look it's got japanese translations and you're like hooray that probably means i didn't bugger them up (laughs) is there somebody at armor games who speaks each of the 30 languages or like how does that work to make sure everything is reading correctly no we got them professionally translated yeah which so when we did that i was like oh this is now i've got the professional translations i thought it was going to be really easy but obviously i'd forgotten that just because you've got the translation, it doesn't mean you're rendering them correctly. Got it. So it looks right. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the classic one is with Arabic and how many games get Arabic rendered incorrectly. And I'm pretty sure as a non-Arabic speaker, it is. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> say 100% because I suspect uh, I maybe have, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, ho- hopefully it is anyway. Um, but it was a it was a real education and stuff like that, which is really fun. Nice. So without without like spoiling anything or however much you want to say, when when you beat the game, is there any is there any sort of extra stuff that you get after that? Like it's uh, I, I haven't made it all the way through to the end. Is there? Uh, I was thinking about when you when you were talking about. It, I was just thinking about all these other things that could be in there as well. Like a like with all the different ways, like a time attack mode or like a puzzle mode. You know, kind of like in like Tetris Attack had where it's like you only have so many moves and you have to try to do one thing unless is there any sort of extra stuff like that in there that you want to say well, or don't there's not say? any kind of more gameplay modes or anything like that there is um so there's a there's kind of a whole end game almost like a puzzle boss fight area which is really fun uh where you get to have your own back on the thing that's causing you so much hassle as you go through the game which i think is quite fun and then there is there is stuff like there is a um, there's a post game area, which is the <laughs> it's the bit where I've gone. I really like this puzzle, but it's much too hard to be on the main path, <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of thing. So there's that, and there is uh, there's a bunch of secrets in there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I have no idea if you if you found them yet, but you'll know when you do because you'll get a uh, new music that's uh, and whatnot. And there is uh, there's a bunch of kind of secret areas that if you solve that you will you'll find mysterious things at the end of each of them <laughs> i guess is the best thing i can say without spoiling it but those secret areas are fun because they one of the things i was always thinking about when i was making the screens that had more that kind of went across multiple the puzzles that went across multiple screens i was always inspired by kind of like zelda dungeon stuff mm-hmm. where you had the older zelda dungeons where it's like okay i know i need to push a ball from over here across this screen which now means i need to understand how everything lines up at kind of a higher level so there's stuff in especially in the secrets where it's like you have to do stuff to solve one room that is not necessarily that near that room Mm -hmm. 
and you you kind of end up using the map and really using the interconnectedness of the whole space to solve stuff, which I think is really fun. But it's for the the hardcore puzzle person who <laughs> wants to curse my name a little bit more than then perhaps the, some of the main path stuff. Yeah, you can definitely see the Zelda influence in there, like with the you know, like the the dungeon, like it's like the grid the grid dungeon, and you don't have a. What's cool about it is, yeah, that it is like a through line through from like room to room to room and it all kind of connects. And it's not like, as I would say, like in Zelda, you know, where you leave the room and everything gets reset. Like you don't have that. Like you leave the room and everything's still the same and you come back and it has to, yeah. So it's really cool. Even in some of the visual design, like, you know, how Zelda always has interesting writing, like the Hylian language and the mm. sort of hieroglyphic look to it. Like I saw some of that in your game as well. That's kind of you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, one of the biggest challenges in this was actually like every pulse in the entire game is moving all the time. Uh, so optimizing that, because there are puzzles later on where you'll end up kind of shooting things through holes in the wall or to screens two or three away. So there was no easy way for me to compartmentalize that. It was like... I can't say that, you know, I don't have to know, uh, care about these other rooms because I just know it's coming out of the emitter because later on that just, that goes entirely out the window when I start going a bit off the rails with some of the puzzle design. So um, getting that working was was really fun, but really tricky because you have you just occasionally have this case that if you, if you had a bug and a bug happens in the first room, then it can take a couple of hours for a player to notice, for it to, like, propagate the whole way through the world <laughs> to where they're actually solving a puzzle which made debugging that sort of thing uh, <laughs> a bit of a nightmare so touch wood we've not had any major reports of any of stuff like that from players yet so um but it was uh, a <laughs> it was it was one of those uh, again design challenges where i went this would be a really good idea when i thought the game was going to be smaller mm-hmm. than it than it turned out to be well i mean i can easily see this like you know like you said before just becoming one little thing and then just getting bigger and bigger and bigger as as it goes because it's like how long do you want to do how long do you want to play with one mechanic before you go to the next one or you know that that type of thing um is uh is is the soundtrack available anywhere by the way like can can anybody buy it on online or do you have to is like does jamesy have a band camp or anything like that or uh, jamesy does have a band camp it's not on there yet but it's kind of it is something that we've been toying with because we we have had a few people ask for it and i'm we just don't quite know the best way to do it yet, I guess. Okay. So it's, it's something we're thinking about because, yeah, I think it would be cool, a cool thing to have if we could. I'm I'm down for. I mean, if you guys put it up, I'll definitely buy it. So I have you have one <laughs> you have one customer right here. I would love the soundtrack on a cassette tape. Oh god, yes, the appropriate. Have you heard of um, Gunship? Because they they do this kind of overwrought '80s kind of synth wave stuff, and they did a. They did a release where they had these neon green and neon purple cassette tapes with their albums on, and man, I would so love to put the soundtrack out on a neon cassette like that. That would be a, that would be so cool. Mm-hmm. I would buy it. I mean, I would too. I don't have anything to play it on, but I'll still buy it. Just have it on the shelf. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would hope that it would come with the digital code as well, or something like that. So you yeah, can, well, yeah, that's probably a good so idea. You can actually, so you can actually listen to it. Do you, I mean, are, do you have any like? Do you have? Any, I mean, I'm sure all you've been thinking about right now is Solus One Two Eight, but is there a I mean, do you have plans for the future? Is uh, do you have like plans for DLC or like a, I don't know, a sequel or another idea? Like, what's what, what's next for you? That's still a bit up in the air. I don't. It's one one of the things I really wanted when I did this is uh, 
because I because I've been because <laughs> I'm old and I've been playing games since the kind of C64 era. One of the things of this is I always like I I just wanted it to be a game that you know it came out you bought the game that was it no no live service no expectation of continual content drips i wanted it to be a complete game when it came out so i don't really have any plans for that because right now i can't think of again i can't think of another level or any set of levels that would be fun to add i mean i'd like to do there's a few bits i'd like to do like um some more options and stuff like that and some more accessibility stuff that i'll probably look into to see if maybe we can do a patch of some of that stuff in to make it more more usable for a wider variety of people um but yeah beyond that i've I've got some ideas uh, floating around for the next game. Kind of one really big, ridiculous idea that I definitely can't do next, and uh, one that is possible to do next, and is <laughs> seems to be mostly based on a series of increasingly bad dad puns, which makes it more and more attractive to me every time I think about it. Interesting. Yeah, but, um, love dad yeah. puns. I'd get that game. Yeah. <laughs> definitely be something a bit different though because one of the things that because this kind of this was all started in my spare time it was always something that was what like what what interested me so now i've kind of done something in the puzzle space i think it will probably jump into something like a a slightly different space and try and play around in that and try and make something there because otherwise i think you just get burned out if you keep making similar types of games Mm -hmm. Uh, at least as a solo dev i nice um is there a did, did you did you guys have any other questions for him before we? I, I didn't really have a question. I just uh, well, one thing I want to remark on is I thought this game looks like it belongs on a Nintendo system. I wanted to say that um, it reminds me of the uh, art style games on the DS on like the DSi that you can download. Yeah, yes. the we we wear as well. Yeah, yeah, like this game just looks like it was. It's kind of from that era. I mean, obviously, I don't think the mechanics could have worked on that. Probably not as well because of the persistence of everything from room to room. But <laughs> yeah, the 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 load on the CPU for the way the game looks is much higher than you'd expect because of everything going on. I, I, I never played the art style games. I, I was a big fan of the Bit Trip series. That um, was a. Uh, it, it, well, I, I mentioned that on the last episode yeah. that it reminded me of a Bit Trip Beat, which I thought was the best one out of all of those. The one that was like the it was like a really fancy pong game, pretty much yeah. with rhythm. Yeah, no, I, I love that one as well. Um, and also, um, the whole concept of the whole laser thing was inspired by like old a C sixty four game called Deflector. And I, I recently got one of those like replica C sixty four consoles with a working keyboard, and went to play Deflector, and was very embarrassed to realize I can't even remember how to complete the first level anymore. Oh wow! Because mm-hmm. it was like, ah, old games are really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was inspired by that, and there was a lot of kind of kind of light reflection games in the Flash era as well. Uh, that was kind of what part, partly made me laugh when Alma did come and say hi, is because I did I was playing around in the Flash era quite a lot with um, you know action script and stuff like that, and it was a dream back when I was like teenager early 20s that oh it would be really cool to get a flash game published by armor so then they turn up now and you're like going oh this is this is weird like 15 years ago i would have absolutely been losing it <laughs> and i still was to be fair but it was just like, again that weird thing now, now now you i mean like as you were talking about like all the process you go through to try to make everything uh 
you know, community, like have people figure it out from the beginning. And then you play something like that. And it's like, oh, well, back then they just had a no idea. But it was, but you didn't have like the internet to talk to, to talk to each other. And it was just kind of like, here's the game. Hopefully you figure it out. Hopefully, you know, you don't, whatever, you know, it's at that time. It's, so it's, it's still weirdly coin up as well. It's like a puzzle game, but it was a puzzle game that had, li- it has lives. And you can also, if you don't solve it quickly enough, it just kills you. Oh, and it's weird. just, it's a really bizarre concept now of like, how can you have a puzzle game with lives? What? 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 <laughs> yeah. And especially, yeah, with a time, I mean, I understand if it's like a side mode, maybe where there's a time attack or something, mm. but I mean, puzzle games, you need time to sit and think about it. That's part of the fun, you know? So it's like, <laughs> oh no, you weren't quick enough. It's like, what? I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> like what? Yeah. It was just like, wow, this is incredible. This is incredibly stressful. Mm-hmm. I was a very patient child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then again, it, especially on the C64, because you'd spent 20 to 30 minutes watching it load from tape, you were damn sure going to play that game for longer than it took to load, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, I had yeah, I had one of those too. When I, I mean, it was I was so young that I hardly remembered. All I just remember is just the little tapes that they were like tapes, games on tape, and and that there was a Pac-Man knockoff named Snackman. That's all I remember from, from my C64 <laughs> days. But. It was, uh, yeah. It, I, I kind of wish. I mean, I obviously can't, I can't afford like to try to get one or something, but I'd love to see one at a convention or something like that, just to play around with it and see if it triggers any memories for me of of that of having that system as a kid. But, but well, uh, that's why I got the replica one because they're not, they, you know, they're a bit of money, but they're not too ridiculous, and they work on a modern TV and stuff. Uh, because yeah, it was the whole C- getting a CRT up and running to get a, an old original C64 on would be such a faff in my my tiny flat. So, but it was really nice just taking the thing out and going, oh wow, this is incredible. This brings back so many memories, like the fact it has no cursor keys. Oh god, how do you type on this thing? <laughs> yeah. This was before people had decided where buttons went on a keyboard. So yeah. I just am continually pressing the wrong button because yeah. that's not where brackets go. But it was back then for this one <laughs> this one uh, machine. Mm. Like, I kind of miss that slightly wild west home computer era that was so big in the UK where it's just like a new computer would come out and you're just like, wow, we don't know how keyboards work, but this is approximately a keyboard. And it was just, it was just, it was this really fun time when it was like every computer did such wildly different stuff that it was really exciting to get a new one. So you're like, Oh my God, this has double the colors. This has 16 colors. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Well, thank thanks so much for joining us. I would let let you go in in a, in a minute here. I just want to. Is there anything you want to tell, like somebody who's never played the game before? They're just starting playing, and is there a bit of advice you could you could you would say to them if they're just coming into Solus One Two Eight right now? That's something you need to think of, or do you want um, them to just feel it out? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I'm not sure. I guess the what I guess one of the things is not to get frustrated with it. Because I've seen, um, we had because we had the prologue version out. Um, we I saw a, a few people who, who had never really played puzzle games before managed to get through the prologue, and that was really nice. So I guess that's kind of my biggest advice: is just like kind of take a look what you're doing, use the hint system if you want. There's no shame in that. That's why it's there. And just you know, if you're getting if you're getting stressed out, you're getting stuck in a corner. The best thing with any puzzle game, I think, is just to put it down for a bit go do the washing up or something because especially a game where like this uh it kind of gets into your head and then you're quite you might be washing up and then you'll suddenly go oh hang on what if i moved it there and uh that's i think that's kind of what 
gets me in puzzle games like this. It's that like epiphany moment where you suddenly go, oh, no, hang on. So if I can make people who maybe don't play as many puzzle games feel that excitement, then I'll be a, <laughs> I'll be a very happy developer. Awesome. Is there is there anywhere that you want that you want the listeners to find you, like on the internet or anything like that, like uh, Twitter or whatnot? Yeah, if they want to if they want to come chat, um, at amic- at amicable animal on Twitter. I tend to be talking people and sharing cool looking games I've been playing recently from the local developers or beyond. So yeah, it's always nice to talk to people who are interested in games and puzzles and whatnot. Awesome. And yeah, everybody uh, who's listening to this, please check out uh, Solus One Two Eight. I think it's very cool and it's very unique to uh, to the Nintendo Switch, and I think it's a great game. And thank you so much for coming on here and talking to us about it. And all no, that. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! <laughs> With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo may never made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Made Podcast! Game over!
was a that was a great interview. I'm glad he was uh, able to talk to us. There's a lot of really really cool stuff that was in there, and I urge anybody listening to this to check out Solus One Two Eight. I think it's very cool. It's definitely been sticking with me in my mind. It's one of those things where I'm like, where I'm like, I really I'm really enjoying it so much that it's on my top ten list already of the of the year. I mean, there's not that many games out, but I'm still like, yeah, you know, it's there. It's definitely got its hooks in me where I think it's very unique and different than most things. So if you're looking for something. That's not like the millionth roguelike or another NES looking game. It's definitely something, you know, unique on the Switch to play. So. I think it's a great game to have, you know, when you're playing other games, if you need to take a break from them, take a break, play this game for a little while. This game kind of, it could be frustrating, but it could also chill you out. Yeah, it's like it was it said in the interview, it's a, it's both soothing and frustrating at the same time. And I like that. <laughs> well, because the yeah, well, also every with, puzzle game is frustrating, you know, to yeah. some degree. Also with the music, with the chillness of the music and how the beat moves with the with the waveforms or uh, the pulses, as he was saying, it just it kind of like soothes me. But it's also at the same time, it's like I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like how do I what the I've done all of it. I screwed myself over. But it's great. Yeah, everybody check that out for sure. Aside from that, this is your place for uh, Nintendo news for Nintendo fans like yourselves. I forgot to say, and of course video game experiences from us, your hosts. But do you want to talk? Uh, I see you have some stuff in here in the world news at the top. I don't know how much, I don't know how much you want to get into that. We talked about it briefly last week. The GameStop yeah, shenanigans. I, the games, yeah, I don't really been, know. I don't really know much from what I said last week, but much more than that. Just people trying it's to just been it interesting to have it as like, I mean, it was sort of the main story in the news cycle in the general news cycle. GameStop, you know, on top yeah. of the news. Who, who would have thought? Them, yeah, how weird hearing them say, like, on the floor in Congress, like, what's up with this GameStop thing? Like, <laughs> GameStop's, like, going from a company that's completely defunct and we just kind of, like, accepted that it's going away, that all of a sudden it's, like, an international news and, like, discussing the uh, the ethics behind the practices of trading their stock and all that, which isn't there. It has nothing to do with GameStop directly, but... no. They've just been kind of a pawn. I will in, say, in I bought, yeah. uh, I put some money into Bitcoin this week. Oh no! Did you get it? Did you get a, I have Doge, a little did, bit? Did you get a Dogecoin? Not a lot of money. I, I just put a hundred bucks. So I have, I own part of a Bitcoin now. Oh no! And it's gone up. A bit. It, yeah, I've owned, I've earned a couple of dollars so far. I haven't, obviously, with like uh, processing fees and stuff, I would end up losing money if I tried to sell right now. But yeah, I just threw a hundred bucks at Bitcoin. I said, "Fuck it, I'm going to try." I'm going to try my hand at this. So I think without all this scandal of the GameStop and the and the AMC and all that, like I wouldn't care. I wouldn't even try. But now I'm just like, wait, you can buy Bitcoin through PayPal and just have it as part of your PayPal account. I'm going to tr- give that a try. So yeah, I've got a hundred bucks of Bitcoin now. Weird. <laughs> I uh, yeah, the the Bitcoin thing is so. I actually know I I knew a guy who did who did Bitcoin stuff, and even talking to him about it, I'm like, I just I'm like I just can't. Too, at the arcade that I worked at virtual. Uh, a little while ago, they had a Bitcoin machine where you could buy Bitcoin. Yeah, and people would come in just to just to use that. I remember one day Bitcoin was up like a crazy amount, and we had one dude came in like in a panic, like "Where's your Bitcoin machine?" Like he, yeah. he came in to go get it, and you know, he bought like two thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin or something. Oh, because it was it was down or it was up. I can't see it. Or about, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it was, something was hot. You know, either he was trying to sell his Bitcoin or or buy Bitcoin. I don't know. Bitcoin was in the news, and he came in rush in a rush to use the machine. 
That's my experience with Bitcoin. I, I was so yeah, like, I, sp- I spent a hundred on Bitcoin yesterday, and my total value of my Bitcoin is now one hundred one forty eight. So it's an increase of one point four eight percent. I think it's easy <laughs> number to in out. in like hours. Yeah, it's been tw- about twelve hours since I bought it. Wow, the GameStop thing is being turned into a TV show and two movies. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so fucking stupid. This world is so is Jim stupid. Gonna be in it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> let's let's make it. Let's make a real bad movie about it. Here you go. It's like oh my god. It's like well, it's I don't lifetime movie not starring Dustin Diamond. Oh god, Sorry. yeah, rough. That's too soon yeah. on that one. Almost. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I mean it, that doesn't surprise me. I mean they they want to make money off of anything, but it's just. Just seems so dumb. It's like I don't need to watch a. What's it, what's it going to be? A guy sitting in a room on his computer for an hour and a half, just being like, well, oh, "One of the I'm movies." Gonna this. I'm going to call my friend. All right, he's buying it too. <laughs> so there's one that's going to Netflix. One that's going to uh, that's being made by MB- MGM. The MGM one sounds more interesting to me because it was they bought the rights to a book proposal about this. That's also being turned into a book, and it's going to be called the Anti-Social Network, and it's from. The guy who wrote the book that became the movie The Social Network. Yeah. And it's also going to be produced by the producer of The Social Network, which I, th- I thought was a pretty good movie. And I could see taking taking that kind of tone, it would be an interesting movie, this GameStop thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but that that was about like Facebook and, and uh, whatever, that guy, the Facebook guy, which I can't remember his name. So Zuckerberg. I don't know. That is Zuckerberg? Okay. Yeah, I, I, thought, I hadn't thought about him in a long time that I wasn't sure if that was that or not. I just think that would be more interesting than just a bunch of people buying shit online to try and to screw to screw over the hedge funds. I don't know. It depends on how you spin it. I guess you could spin anything into an interesting thing, but it's just I was just like, okay, that's stupid. I don't want to. I don't really care about any of that shit. Unless- if you had like gone back like a couple months ago or whatever, and you saw saw a preview of what's happening right now, you saw like GameStop being talked about on the floor of Congress. You would think finally somebody's doing something about this GameStop price gouging. You know. Like finally, I'm going to get more for my old copy of Wii Music yeah. than you know, twenty five cents. Yes, Congress is doing something about this, but no, it's this whole huge fiasco now. <laughs> I don't think Congress would be like, "You need more trade in. We need more trade in values. Screw them for canceling your PlayStation Five pre order. We must fight them." Yeah, it's I, I don't know. At least it's in the news, and it's not like, "Hey, they're closing stores." Or something like I really didn't really I didn't really care that much about it. I know some a lot of people have like nostalgia for GameStop, but I only got made fun of when I was in there because I was a Nintendo kid. So fuck them, <laughs> you know. I didn't uh, really. Yeah, I'm confused about whether people have nostalgia for GameStop or hate GameStop because a couple months ago we all hated GameStop. Now it's we're I rallying s- to their call or whatever to have, to save them. Yeah, I have no nostalgia for GameStop. I mean, I mean, you worked at GameStop. What, what, Trey, what Trey's talking about was like, yeah, my experience at Funko Land, which was bought out by GameStop. But yeah, that was a different time. That was a uh, yeah, that was when boutique game stores could be a commercial thing. Now they can't. Yeah, and I just would prefer a, a independently owned game store any day. Yeah, I mean, it was a most of like the GameStop that I would go to in Chicago over by uh, Columbia by the dorms when I lived over there downtown. I would just get, you know, I would just get made fun of for my GameCube purchases because <laughs> nobody liked GameCube over there. So I was like, well, fuck you guys. You know, I mean, you're the only place I can go and get this stuff, but it sucks. I mean, it, it depends, you know, different game, you know, different people who work there. There was another, there was a GameStop over by here that I used to go to where the owner there was a Nintendo fan and he was cooler. And I went to like a midnight release for Mortal Kombat 9, which is fun. So 
I don't know. It depends on where it is, but for the most part, it's like I don't really, I don't really care that much. Like a lot of their, they they just give you more access to more games, but a lot of times they wouldn't order stuff, or you know, there'd be shit with like uh, trade in and cancel pre orders and all this other stuff. That was like why everybody was mad at them, but now it's whatever, whatever that is. The last time I bought a game from GameStop, like the day of a release, was GTA Five. No, oh, wow. I don't. Re- I don't I even remember going to the GameStop on campus, which no longer exists here in uh, Champaign, and they had a million copies of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time I was in GameStop. I don't know. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. I mean, I'll. St- I mean, back in the day when you could go to places, I would still just walk through there. But as far as buying things. You know, unless it's like, like a Funko yeah. Pop hut now. Yeah. Which I vowed to never purchase a Funko toy ever. Even though I kind of accidentally did purchase one. But it wasn't, it's not like an official one. It's like a little tiny one that I didn't even know was a Funko. But moving on from that, let's talk about games that we've been playing for the week. The last day to get the Rossetti statue was yesterday. An oh, an- no, I miss it. An, an Animal I Crossing. I, I, I put it on Slack. But I put it on the Slack late at night, so you probably didn't see it. But it was, uh, I guess the last day to order it was yesterday. I'm sure you can get, I know Jess ordered an extra one. You guys, you guys can fight over it. But I, I just, I ordered, I'd order one for myself just to make, just to make sure because I think it was a Groundhog Day was the last time to do it. But I haven't played Animal Crossing in like weeks since I did the final perfect snow person. And I tried rolling one again and I was off. I lost my perfect snow person abilities. In the in that week of no Animal Crossing, so, but I had to order the the reset the statue, which basically looks like an amiibo from the game. So, I did that, and plus there was a video that released last week that we didn't talk about about a uh, pave and the Valentine stuff and all that, which uh, Jess was saying that there's still a lot of furniture missing from that that was in New Leaf and isn't in New Horizons, so it was still like thumbs down on her end. <laughs> to that to that update for Animal Crossing, but but there you go. Uh, I started, you know, I started playing Cyber Shadow again since last week, and I was like seconds before all the stuff that Jeremy talked about, so I felt like I had just missed when everything got better. Like seriously, it was like seconds. Like I moved like I, I like moved like forward for two seconds, and all of a sudden I had the fucking blade that you were talking yeah. about, and then I got the fucking jumping on the walls thing, and I was right there. If I would have just played for like another hour. I would have saw all that stuff and I would have been much more positive about the game because coming into it last week, I was like, eh, it's nothing special. It's all, it's not really that fun and kind of too hard. And, and then I, and I was just, if I would have just stayed with it for another like 10 minutes, I would have seen like how much it opens up with all the, with all the extra stuff. And now I'm more into it. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and yeah, that, that fucking, uh, was it called the swag blade? Mm-hmm. That thing is awesome. Like how I I was having so much fun fighting this boss where I was just kind of jumping and it kind of has like a like a boomerang uh, rubber band effect, you know, where it goes down. And then if you go farther away, it comes like farther back up. And I was just jumping back and forth and just hitting the boss with it without doing anything, but hitting it with a swag blade. It's really cool. And I found all these other upgrades. There's like an upgrade that's like a force field kind of. And then you attack and the force field shoots at the person. It reminds me of stuff that you'd see in like. Gradius and like R type and stuff like that, you know, like shooters. That and there's like other, I don't know. I just kept finding all these weird power ups that, that would you would, that would like attach to you. That seems like something from a shooter from from like a shoot 'em up. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Definitely, uh, definitely get an R type vibe from these little drone type 
power-ups you get that follow you around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm back in. I'm back in on Cyber Shadow. I was like, oh, I don't know. But now I'm like, okay, it's cool. And I don't know which level I was in, but there was this level where the song was, you know, like I was talking before about doing, we talked about it with uh, John Wedgworth, but I was talking about doing that like episode, doing like a WRT radio or something where I do songs that sound like other songs. This one has a song in it that sounds, it has parts of it that are almost exactly the same as the main theme from Punch-Out on NES. And it kind of drives me crazy because I hear the the notes that I think are going to go to another thing, but it's like a fake out. I mean, I'm sure they were trying to do that where they do like a few, I don't know. It sounds like the dun, na, 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 na. It's like the third level or something like that. And it's so, it's so similar that it was just driving me crazy. But yeah, it was a, it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh my God, that's, I know that song. I know that song. And then I ended up listening, finally figured out it was punch out and then listened to it. And I was like, yeah, they were, they were doing that. But yeah, Cyber Shadow, it's cool. I'm back into it. I tried tried a bunch of fitness demos last uh, last week just because I've been trying to do more fitness stuff, and I figured I'm going to have to work something else in there other than just Ring Fit. So I tried fitness boxing, and I tried Let's Dance. I, I think fitness boxing is maybe a more a more a better thing to do than Just Dance because Just Dance involves a lot of jumping, and I don't want to jump. I'm on the second floor, you know. I don't. I don't want to make that sort of noise doing this. Plus, I'd probably end up hurting myself or something. Definitely right. a fitness game. You know, does it have a fitness mode or something on it? I think that the idea is dancing is the fitness mode of Just Dance, because you have to do different. You know, you have to do different stuff. But some of the dancing right. is a lot of like bouncing and jumping and and shit like that. It's and it's like an aerobic thing. But I was like, after playing it, it, like calorie counter or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really care about that stuff. It was just all about like just getting your heart, your heart rate up for like 30 minutes or something like that. So, but I mean, but if you played the game, you're obviously getting a workout. It's an aerobic workout. It feels like doing aerobics because you're moving so much. It's just, it's just too loud, I guess, and <laughs> too much. But the, uh, fitness boxing is, is pretty cool. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's like a rhythm game, but you're boxing with, with the Switch remote. So I might get that one. I don't know. But it's a it's cool that there's a demo. The demo's available in the American eShop now too. You don't have to go to the Japanese eShop to get it. But but we played around with those. You know, uh, just dance. You can actually do it with two people at once. So we both tried it. Justin and I did it at the same time. The demo was only like two songs, so we just did the two songs that were on there. What are the songs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't recognize either of them. So okay. sorry, I can't tell you. You have to look for yourself. It's free. You can download it. Check it out. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. But uh, also, so I downloaded I downloaded the Ghost Runner demo, which I mentioned last week. That's that uh, game that was like the first person Katana Zero game, and mm-hmm. it is exact. It is exactly how I thought it was. It is totally like a first person Katana Zero game, and it's fucking hard as shit. Like I played through the demo, which took me like over an hour to do, and it was probably one of the most difficult demos I think I've ever played in my entire life. Like I was so. Like Jeremy was talking last week about like you know getting angry and wanting to just to like break your controller or whatever over Cyber Shadow, that was how I felt playing sh- playing this game, playing Ghost Runner. It was the first time I've ever been that angry about something because it's and it, and it's really smooth. Like you can and you can restart like that. There's like no reload times, and I'm not exaggerating. I died over a hundred times in the very first part of the game because it tells you once you get through it, it tells you how many times you died, and I think I died 105 times in like the very first section of the game. 
And I think the game's awesome, and I kind of really want to buy it. I'm just really afraid to because it's so difficult that I'm like, I'm kind of scared of like, I'm like, well, if that was just the demo, I'm scared of the rest of the game. But it, but it's, it's like, it kind of reminds me of, if you remember Mirror's Edge, did you ever play that game? Yeah. It's, it's like that. It's like a first person platformer. Parkour. But you, uh, yeah, like a first person parkour platformer thing, but you get only one hit point. If anybody shoots you, you're automatically dead. Same with them. You can kill them in one hit and you have to like be fucking, you have to be a fucking ninja. And just jump around and not get killed. And it's very much works like Katana Zero where there's segments where there's a checkpoint. But there's also some segments that are kind of long where, like, you'll go and do and kill a few guys and you have to get all the way to the end without getting hit. Otherwise, you got to start all the way at the beginning again. And it's and they just keep, like, every every new thing, they add more stuff to it. Like, there's, like, a grappling hook as well that you can bring into it. And you can, like, run on walls and shit. And it's, Yeah. It's really, I mean, I really recommend anybody playing it. I don't know if it's available in the U.S. yet, the demo, but if you have a Japanese account, go download it and just play around with it just to see how difficult and cool it is. And you just have a, you have a big katana, you know, that's in front of you and you can just cut, cut motherfuckers with it, you know, cut people in half and it's, it's bloody and it's cool. Yeah. It's one of those things that I just, I really wanted to buy it. Like after like the first 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is really good. I really want to buy this. And then after I defeat it, after I finished the demo, I'm like, I don't know, man. I think this game might be way too hard for me. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to buy it. So I kind of went back and forth on it. But I just want to mention that because that's a game I've been looking at for a while. I'm sure I'll get it eventually. But after playing the demo, I felt kind of scared to play the regular game just because it's fucking tough. It's tough, but it feels incredibly rewarding once you make it through. It just It's going to take you multiple times but thankfully you just hit a button and you go right back to the checkpoint there's no loading or anything really really fast it looks great too like it, it i think it looks great for a switch game and it's just you know side and, it, and it's a in a sci-fi setting you know i like that it's it looks you know it looks like how you would expect a cyberpunk to look if it actually worked you know so <laughs> so it's a looks looks nice that was fun i i talked to somebody on a nintendo message board about a game that they just they just made called uh crossbow bloodlight which is actually something i was looking looking at before that because it looks like an old school first person shooter and you know i like those games and i ended up buying it because it's really cheap it was five dollars it was on sale for like under five i used my gold coins to get it and it's just basically like an arena shooter kind of like something like a uh, serious sam but there's a leaderboard which is there was another like a bug based shooter thing that came out called Rise I think a couple weeks ago it's a similar thing, but I started playing around with it and I got in the top uh, I was like 125 out of I don't know 500 600 people whatever that were playing it so I ranked on it and you're just basically shooting like werewolves and vampires and zombies and stuff like that until you die and that's just one room it's like one circle and you just move around and try to stay alive as long as you can with no, with no like health power-ups or anything like that. But I thought it was cool that I, 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 you know, I saw somebody mention this on a group on Facebook that they had made this game. And I was like, Hey, do you want to be on the show? And the guy was actually like, Hey, I've been listening to your show since like episode 225 or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, Hey shit. You already know Nintendo main. That's really cool. That's never happened to me before. That's cool. When I've approached a developer and they said that they had already aware, they were already aware of our show. And they had been listening for like 30 episodes or something like that. That's pretty great. So there you go. We're uh, infamous on the 
Facebook. I it mean, took it took us 256 episodes. <laughs> I mean, it could have been from another post because I also, I mean, that's how I got a hold of the uh, Jet Lancer people and all that. And, you know, which led to our Solus 128 interview that we just did, which is talking to people on, on a Facebook groups about games that they've made and trying to reach out with to them to feature it on the show and stuff like that, which was something I was hoping we would get to anyway. So it's pretty cool. Just this pays off. And, uh, the last, uh, the last thing I guess that I want to mention is uh, I found I found the pinball dungeon in uh, Phoenix Rising, and it was really cool. I, I think I had heard people talk about it, or I think I saw somebody say it was frustrating on another Facebook group that I'm on, but I liked it. I thought it had a cool, like, chill, kind of like what I was saying with Solus. It was like a soothing, a little frustrating, but mostly soothing, you know? And it's, uh, there's, we've talked about Phoenix Rising before many a times. It's a game that I really, really like, and I kind of I st- I was off of it for a second because of changing physical cartridges between that and Ring Fit because it's a, an annoyance in itself. But I started playing it again, and it's I know you said it like last week or the week before, Jeremy, like a Phoenix relaxing where you just get stuck in just walking around the world and just getting the just collecting the stuff to up your up up your health or whatever mm-hmm. else. That's what I found myself doing for the most part in this game. That's why I've been playing it for 40 hours and I'm only halfway through it, even though you can supposedly beat it in like 30, because I just love going around and finding shit. But they they have these mini dungeons, you know, very much like Zelda did. And I found this mini dungeon that are just like these big giant pinball tables. And you as a character, you just walk from one switch to another to control the two flippers and you're playing a giant pinball game. It's really cool. I was like, that's I was like, that's really neat. I really wish they would let you capture the footage so I could have like posted it somewhere, but it's one of those things I'm like, oh wow, okay, I found the pinball machine. Then there there were two of them and you basically, you know, the, there's the balls that you move around in the game and you're moving moving those giant balls with the with the pinball thing. And you basically have to break break these boxes to unveil this uh this hole that you once you once you get it in there, it'll pro- it'll progress you to the next pinball table, like that type of thing. And you do a couple of them like that, and then you beat the, and then you beat the dungeon. But it's just really cool that there's stuff in there. That it, it kind of reminds me of those puzzles that you had in Breath of the Wild, but you don't have to use motion control or anything like that, so it's not annoying. You know, it actually works better. Is it as annoying as the uh, pachinko board and sunshine? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> no! It's it's actually not annoying. I think it actually works well. The pachinko board is fucking god awful in sunshine. Like fuck that. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the, and the camera angle is like, I don't know. It's like if you stuck the if you stuck the camera like in a hole in the floor somewhere, and it's it's so bad. It's that whole thing is awful. No, I it's I think it's actually. I don't know why people are frustrated with it. I thought it actually worked really well. And and if you lose and if you if the if you lose the ball it doesn't like you're not penalized. You can just start over again and nothing's like changed. You know, you don't have to start from the beginning. So I just thought it was really soothing and cool. But Phoenix Rising is yeah, it's still a lot of fun. I really really like that game. I hope to finish it soon. I don't know. I don't think I'm anywhere near it, but I I got I I've done I've done a good part of the third the stuff with the third god. So I am kind of progressing. And there's a new DLC thing out, too. It's paid DLC, but I'm still interested in it just because I really like that game a lot. And there's a demo out now officially on the American eShop. So you should play it, John, if you can. Play some, I'll give it a try some Phoenix time. Rising because it's, it's good. It's very good. It's it's a lot like, like I said before, it's like Breath of the Wild, but it's different enough. But it's really enjoyable. And I just really, really been digging that game. That's what I got for the week. Cool. Yeah. This week I didn't buy really buy anything new um, other than the uh, Solus, of course, we were talking to the developer earlier. 
so I've been playing Cyber Shadow the most. Uh, so I'm on a big, I'm on a boss that I'm st- stuck on because the boss is really hard. Um, one thing I noticed about this game, and you'll notice it more as you get into it, Trey, but they kind of, there's a linearity to it in the power-ups they give you. They give you the power-up that they think you're going to need for the next part, and you'll get it at the, the checkpoints. You'll upgrade the checkpoint to where you'll always start with the power-up once you restart. Yeah. So I'm on this boss, and I'm like, I guess I have to beat it with this power-up because that's what they gave me. So I don't know. I, I guess it's not really a complaint, but I guess I'm just kind of saying that it's not as flexible as it could be where you could go in with whatever, you know, oh, yeah. power-ups you wanted and how you wanted to fight the boss. Like, yeah. It's not like Castlevania where you could be like, oh, I'd rather do this with the knife or I'd rather do it with yeah. the axe or something like that. It, it's like, oh, no, you have to do it with this thing, which that's, so kind, of, that's kind of annoying. Yeah, to a certain extent, you're you're. I mean, this game is very linear, so your be, your power ups are being curated for you by the the checkpoints. So that could be a good thing. I mean, it's unique, um, but it does you do sacrifice uh, the freedom of like approaching these battles the way you would like to. I, I I don't know. Maybe you could skip through the checkpoints if you were really good and bring a power up from earlier in the game. But that being said, I'm still really loving it. It's just keeps getting harder and harder. Um, and it's really all about just getting to the next checkpoint because once you do, you can turn the game off and come right back to where you were. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been stuck on this boss for a couple of days now. It's pretty hard. It's a big snake, but big snake bosses in the water are always, uh, <laughs> are always hard in games. Always that's, rough. Exactly yeah. this, that's exactly what this thing is. I, I think it's called like cyber serpent or mecha serpent, something along those lines, but really cool still really cool looking boss um definitely seeing the the shovel knight dna in this game even though i know it wasn't developed by the same people it was just published by yacht club but you're you kind of get that i don't know the more and more i play it the more i see how shovel knight and this are definitely cut from the same fabric well and also you can do uh you can do the and i got the down stab as well as you were talking about mm-hmm. Which, and I had this, there was this one part, I'm sure you did it, where you had to like jump on these, well you don't have to, but there's a little secret if you jump on these guys that are jumping out of the ground. It's kind of like a DuckTales type thing that was in that as well, but I was just having such a hard time getting across because it doesn't work as well as it did for DuckTales or Shovel Knight, I don't think. But yeah, I definitely see big similarities in there. But I think Shovel Knight was big. I mean, it was it was big for me, like it really blew me away as an indie game, so I'm sure regardless of whether it's published by them or not there's going to be some sort of influence in a lot of the indie stuff from shovel knight because how well they did it yeah cyber shadow is a great game i definitely recommend it if you like old school games that are fun but extremely challenging at least it's got the forgiving you know element of having the checkpoints and the ability to save at any checkpoint is nice but otherwise this game would just be a complete madness if it didn't have those oh yeah it's a shame they don't let you just pick whatever weapon you want to use from the checkpoint. You know, since there's all that stuff you add where you can buy stuff, you should be able to just be like, oh, I'd rather use the swag blade or whatever. Right. I would love to have the swag blade on the boss I'm on right now. I think it would be a lot easier. Yeah, it's, that's that's a thing. Like, if by not allowing me to have it, that's what's making this boss battle so hard. But if I had the swag blade, I would be killing this boss so quick. Yeah, that sucks. But Cyber Shadow, yeah, I've been playing that and uh, 
played a lot of Tetris 99 this week. And I sent a screenshot to the Slack of the person that beat me, or rather the person that got first place. I got 10th place is the best I've done this week. And I really do feel like this 8-bit Doe controller makes me play Tetris better. Yeah, that's what I've been telling people. It's the best controller. It will make you better at everything. Fuck that Nintendo Pro controller. Thinks gar- the only thing that garbage. I didn't like a- about it was that I couldn't play it. Like I would plug it in to charge it while I was playing, and then it would stop working. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Because that never happened with the Pro controller. Oh, that's, Well, this should, week I realized yeah. you have to go in. Yeah, you have to go into the settings, and you have to enable the ability for it to to still function while it's plugged in. I don't know why. Oh, really? Like like it like it like through a program through your computer into the controller? No, no, it's through the set settings menu on the Switch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like cuz I've done I'm like I play it with it plugged in all the time and it's not And I did a too with the me. Pro controller. Yeah. So I don't know why that wasn't already on, but for whatever reason that that option was turned off. Oh, so weird. I literally just yeah. had to go into controller settings in the Switch menu and enable the ability to have it still function while it's plugged in. I can't remember what the settings called, but works while plugged in. That's what it's essentially what it says. And it works fine now. So I'm glad I can have it plugged in. Cause I, I, I game right next to my switch. There's no reason not to have it plugged in. If, if I uh, want to keep the batteries uh-huh. nice and fresh. So, but yeah, the person going back, I'm going off on a tangent here. I got beat out by someone called Wuhan virus. Yeah. their screen name and they had like they were at like star 15 or something so they're like level 115 or or beyond and i'm just like how long have they had this screen name have they had the screen name the entire pandemic or did they start it recently and just do really really well there's so many questions but I think, something about yeah. being defeated by a wuhan virus that was just really funny it's like me. haven't we all already we all we all yeah. get defeated by the wuhan virus Already in life, I think maybe he was maybe they were such a good uh, Tetris player that they just wanted to be like, how do I strike fear into my opponents more than just beating them? Oh yeah, I will name myself the virus that has fucked over the whole world for almost a year now. Well, more than a year actually, I guess. Yeah, there it is. That's how I strike fear fear into my opponents. That's by the, it's with that name. I just definitely a bit on the offensive side. I don't think it's the most uh, <laughs> PC name to to have. In a game, but who cares about PC stuff when it comes to these competitive games? People are trying to intimidate, like you said. So, I laughed out loud. I mean, I, I, I sat there and and I was watching the names. Like, I don't know. I got tenth place, and I'm like, just sitting there. My blood's pumping really fast. My heart's beating really fast. I'm like, damn it! I thought for sure I was going to get into like a single digit place. So I just I just watched the rest of the match of what I could watch of it. And then when the first place popped up, I just started laughing. Yeah, so loud. I, I was gonna say I've seen I've seen much worse names on Tetris oh, yeah. ninety nine, so I'm I, it's it's on the not as bad scale. I mean, at least it's not like racist or or some sort of phobic or racist. whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I was saying I've seen I've seen worse than uh, than that. I mean, yeah, it it is it is definitely also racist. But I'm not saying that you, anybody should go out and name themselves that or anything like no, that. Don't name your firstborn that. Or or don't or not even on Tetris. Don't call yourself that. Don't name your dog on Nintendo Dogs that. Yeah, the person. Yeah, I mean, who knows? That person could be a lot of things that <laughs> that made that name. So, but yeah, I thought you know, as far as segues go, I'm getting 5G installed um, here in Champaign County. Completely taken aback by this. Two days ago, they announced that they had 
you know, a lot of vaccines that they're waiting on people to claim essentially. And they opened up uh, to hospitality and food, food workers. And so I was just like, well, you know, I don't want to like jump in line. I, I It's just, a, it's a weird thing. It's like, I don't know how to feel about it. Like I want to get the vaccine because everyone needs to get it eventually. Right. Or that's what they're telling us. So I'm like, well, I will not, you know, I'm not going to do the thing where I start calling as soon as the lines open up because you had to call by phone. That's the only way you can make an appointment. And uh, I'm like, I'm just going to wait a while and see what happens. So I didn't call until almost two in the afternoon yesterday. So the, the phone lines have been open for like six hours at that point. And it took me about an hour to get through because the lines were so busy. So I'm like, well, let's see if this works. And yeah, I have an appointment for today to, to get the first round of the vaccine. So nice. Yeah, I'm going to, as of next week, I'll be able to get, uh, have a little bit more info on, you know, if I felt any sort of um, side effects or anything. Some people do, some people don't. Uh, but I think four of my coworkers were also able, as far as I know right now, four of my coworkers were also able to get signed up. So really hoping soon that like everyone at my job that yeah. wants it can get it. Uh, that, that's that's great. I mean, the awesome. the vaccine has, it, has officially invaded the core <laughs> Nintendo main team here. I mean, it we, has. we've had friends, friends of the, we have friends of the show that had, that had a vaccine, but now it's actually within the group, within the, like the core group. So I yeah, know now that, here we, yeah. we find out if it like, uh, you know, if there's any side effects, <laughs> um, if uh, long-term side effects, we don't know because they didn't do any, they haven't been able to do any long-term studies on this vaccine. We, we get to see what uh, zombie Jeremy will be like when, uh. Once you get, <laughs> be you the, may never get to see what baby you get looks like. We'll see see what your other uh, what your other form is. You know, you get to change. They're talking about it potentially causing infertility, so maybe maybe no baby Jeremy's out there in the world as a result of this vaccine. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know how much I care actually care about that to be honest. But so yeah, I thought that was kind of good news, and I and I haven't been really like sharing it with a lot of people. Just like I said, it's it's such a I've got such mixed feelings about getting it. Not that I don't think I should get it. I just feel like there's probably other people that should get it before me. Like still like retail work or yeah, especially like grocery store workers and people that work where they're with people all the time, but I've been working all like almost the entire time with people. So um, also by the same token, I feel like especially now that restaurants are reopening in the way they have, and I'm looking out and seeing a sea of faces in the kitchen from the kitchen when I look in the dining room, I'm like, all right, well, like I am, I am working with the public directly. So maybe it is, maybe yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I, should, I shouldn't have nope. this imposter syndrome about it. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, but you're a, yeah, your work. I mean, you have to work with people on a regular mm-hmm. basis. You're working with food. Like you're making things that are going to other people. Like it's makes perfect sense. Like you should, you know, you should get it. So even like, I'm, you know, I'm just part of the general public. So I'll be in the last phase. And I imagine even at that point, I'll still have a feeling of like, really, should I be the one to get in line? And, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be a point where it's just so clear that, okay, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. We know that it's been available for a little while for what, three months or so, the the vaccine. So the healthcare workers have largely had a turn and now we're on to phase two. I think this is with uh, food workers and all that. And I think just go ahead and do it without any sort of guilty feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, and also it was my partner, Shauna, who was like the one who, you know, saw the posting and sent it to me while I was working saying, Hey, please. She's like, please call this number tomorrow morning. Please get this. You know, she wants me to get it. Yeah. And I mean, I, and 
I think my boss is probably going to be happy that I got it. You know, like your coworkers it's, it's will a step too. In the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that everybody in general would be happy that you got it. So, so yeah, um, I'll have more to say about it next week. But for now, it's happening in an hour and a half. So the, t- the clock is ticking. I um, thought this would be kind of a cool thing to show off. Uh, I think I talked about it a little bit last week where I corresponded with Supergiant Games about my shirt that I hadn't gotten yet. But I got it this week. This cool. shirt is badass. That's your Hades shirt. There's no escape. Nice. That's cool. So it's like, how would you describe the shirt to the listening audience? It looks yeah. like a shirt that would be like a, a like a heavy metal band or something. It really does have that aesthetic. Like I could see this being like a uh, not like Metallica. I could see like maybe like Zayo. I, I don't know. Here I here I am not knowing a lot about metal. Yeah, something more like hardcore. Maybe like Knocked Loose or something. But yeah, it's a cool, really cool design, and it has all these. You know, having played the game so much, I can look at every little element of it and be like, oh, that's a reference to this part of the game. It's got. Uh, Charon on one side and Thanatos on the other and all these skulls. And then you can kind of see a bloody silhouette of Zagreus in the middle of it. And it just says, there is no escape. So it's a cool shirt. I like it. Um, it's really comfortable, really nice, soft fabric. So thank you, super giant for letting a super fan wear the shirt while he's listening to the soundtrack in his car. Speaking of, yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of Supergiant, though, this is in our news, but I want to say it before we run out of time. Uh, did you see that that uh, documentary series, Jeremy, on the making of mm-hmm. Hades is out now? I haven't watched it, but I did see I did see that. Yeah, that's. That. I mean, I figured you would because it's interesting. I, there's a bunch of them, and they're fairly long. Like I was just looking, I think yeah. there's like four or five, and they're each like twenty or thirty minutes. But because it starts during the uh, beta testing phase, so yeah, it covers all of it, which you, I was completely you know, oblivious to this game at that point. You could watch, yeah. uh, you know, wear your shirt, watch the documentary. Listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> Let's do it on the low. Tweet so at can, them. So you can still hear it, you know, drink ambrosia. Yeah. So you can, <laughs> you can still hear what's happening in documentary. Put it on the, put on the low, like 20, like 20%, you know, like how I put the music on this, like 20 or 10% below. Everything. That Hades soundtrack's all that I've, that's been in my car. Every time when I turn it on, it starts playing. <laughs> I have it set to where, It'll, it'll always be a new song. Like when I turn it on my car on, I want a track to just be starting. So, Oh, interesting. I always yeah, do yeah. that before I like, before I turn my car off, I'm like, okay, great. Next track, then turn off the car. That way when I turn it on again, it starts out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So when you come um, in there, the Orpheus is singing to you or something, <laughs> wherever, wherever you have it on. Yeah, man. I love that game. And I love, and I, and I'm, and I'm a super fan. I'm a super fan of super giant. I say that's pretty much it. Uh, the last thing this week, and I ended up being up way too late last night playing this, but I bought for my partner for our, it was our anniversary. It's actually our anniversary today. We've been together for two years and I bought her Donkey Konga two. Donkey Konga two actually, or one. Okay. So I actually bought both. Oh, okay. And I've been having some trouble getting the seller to get a hold of me on eBay because they haven't even shipped it. And I bought it like, over two weeks ago and I haven't get, gotten them to respond to me, but I bought both of them. I bought one and two, both with bongos. That way we'd have two sets. Yeah. But I've only received in the mail. I've only received two. So that's all we played. We played so far. Which oh, wow. Yeah. You got the bad one first. <laughs> yeah. Even Shauna was saying that she's like, well, uh, but she's interested in looking and trying to get a hold of the, the jet. Ja- There's like a third one. That's only Japanese. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm wondering how that works because I I don't think that GameCubes are are like region free because I because I, I thought about that because we you know back when we go, went to conventions they had the you know they had the Japanese GameCube games and I was like oh that's really cool like you could get like Biohazard Four you know instead of Resident Evil and like all that you know see the other and, and I thought about getting one but I don't think you can actually play them unless you have a Japanese GameCube or unless you hack your own GameCube. So. I was a little afraid at first because. You know, I tr- I tested it before I gave it to her. I wanted to make sure it worked, but when I opened up the package and looked at the 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 copy of the game, it had a lot of French on it. Uh, oh yeah. So it was it was like French Canadian. It said Nintendo Canada all over it. I'm like, oh shit, this isn't gonna work. But it works great. So I don't know if it's like um if that's the way all of them were, or if this game is actually a Canadian copy. And luckily, it's still a North American GameCube. And it works, but I was I was a little bit scared at first that it wasn't going to work. I'm like, wait, do they have different GameCubes in Canada? I think, well, I also remember a lot at that time in the Wii that the, that a lot of the instruction booklets were in multiple different languages as well. So maybe that's well, it. Well, this was but, GameCube. Yeah. No, I mean, the, in the GameCube Wii time, like late GameCube, early Wii time, mm-hmm. there was multiple languages on the, on the uh, game cases and the, the instruction booklets. So maybe it's something to do with that, but... I just looked it up right now just to make sure, and it says that the GameCube and the Wii are both region locked. So, if you wanted to play something on it, a you Japanese would have one, you would have yeah. to hack it or get a Japanese one. So, well, that's good to know. I'll, I need to let her know that. Yeah, so she doesn't spend money on something she can't play. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to make sure because I thought that because I because I thought about buying Japanese GameCube games just because I love GameCube and that would be more stuff to fuck around with. And but yeah, no, it's. I really like the packaging it. of Japanese GameCube games. They're just so yeah, they look know, cool. They take advantage of the fact yeah. that the discs are little, so the cases are small. like little cardboard cases. Yeah, but that yeah, you finally have it. I know, I know that yeah, she, I know that she was really wanting it, and it's you know, and now that you have the bongos, you can use them for uh, the other game that you have. Yeah, she said they played their version so much that. They broke like they didn't really break it, but the kind of wore it top down. of the bongo, yeah. yeah, the pop of the bongo drum got distorted, and you can see like the sensors like poking through it. To where oh it yeah, was, like, I, I think you can see that on mine too. Well, I mean, you could see that it's kind of a button in the middle that's sort of like worn down around, and you could even mm-hmm. just like push it down if you don't actually want to hit it. You know, <laughs> You'd, I mean, you know how it works. It's they're giant buttons. That's yeah. pretty. Mine, yeah. the pads have turned all like gray and yellow. Like I had it in storage unit for a little while, so. Looks like it was in a, like a smoker's room, but it wasn't. So it looks bad. Well, it's like the old. It's it like up. it's like old NESs and Super Nintendos that where the color yeah. is, it, it like becomes like yellow or you know just because of that plastic that they used. It's like supposed to be flame retardant or something, but they didn't. They didn't mix the chemical right or something, and it it's a side effect of it. Yeah, Donkey Kong. We own it. It's the first new GameCube game I bought in a while. Um, but hopefully by next week, I'm hoping that I have both and that I'm able to play two player. But yeah, I hooked it up through to my TV with my HDMI yeah. adapter. And we did notice, you know, we felt like there was some lag putting in an HD TV without, you know, through the, the oh, standard yeah. component jacks. So once I hooked it up through HDMI, it seemed like it played a lot better. So in this case, playing it on a more modern TV, I think I would recommend some sort of HD solution to avoid that lag. Otherwise hook it up to a CRT and you're golden. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me this week. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you get to, you have that. And then, you know, 
you guys can mess around with uh with playing with playing the Tycho the Tycho Drum Master game as well because of the um because you have the Gbro adapter and you can use it with that. You can use it with the Gbro adapter or the Nintendo made one. So, but yeah, no, that's cool. You you get to conga it up again. Play well. That's the first one, but you can play all those uh, public domain songs like "Mary Had a Little Lamb" or whatever else fucking shits on there. It's such a, it's such a weird <laughs> cross buns. I mean, both both of them have real have just have really weird selections of songs on there. That's kind of wasn't like, the second one more like pop hits, and that's why it wasn't yeah, as popular. It, it, it has like "Good Charlotte" and shit like that on there, which I which at that time but it's like yeah, bad cover versions of bad songs. Well, I, I mean. Guitar Hero was kind of like that to a point in the mm-hmm. first couple because they didn't have the actual song, so they had a somebody else singing it, and it was had like weird, uh, you know, wanna be wanna be Glenn Danzig doing uh, trying to do Mother and stuff like that. It was it was weird at that time, but yeah, I remember buying two just on the cheap just to play it, and I was like, I don't really like any of these songs. <laughs> they're, they're not that fun to play, but I think I just got it out of curiosity because yeah. Because people, I guess, even at the time when it was released, I know IGN, when they reviewed it, they weren't really into the songs. But it depends on who. I mean, if they're releasing it for a younger crowd, maybe they are maybe they were into it. I don't know. I also may have to look into getting Jungle Beat at some point. Oh, I'm yeah. I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah that's should, great. You should get Jungle Beat for sure. That's a weird. I was able to find that at an ideal time, like when GameCube games were 10 bucks yeah. over at GameStop. That's how much I got it for. Now I think it's a lot more expensive. I bought I bought Jungle Beat brand new when it came out, and I didn't regret regret any of it because that game was so fucking weird and awesome. <laughs> that was I was I was they uh, re released on Wii, right? Yeah, but I, but don't get it on Wii. You got to play it with a bongo. In the Wii one, you got to just wave your hands in the air with the Wii mote instead of playing it on a bongo. It seems that defeated the purpose. Oh, and also you can move with the fucking analog stick. What? The the idea of it was the weirdness of uh of like playing the bongo on the right side to go right and on the left side to go left. That's part of the game. I couldn't. It's even more unforgivable because you could pl- you you could plug the bongos into the Wii. Like why didn't they just put it th- make make it that way? I don't or know because no. they wanted it. They didn't want to confuse people, I guess. Because yeah, they did they did do that, and it's all motion sensor. And they also released there was supposed to be a a Donkey Kong racing game that was used with the bongos. Which that would have been so cool, but it was delayed and it was released later on Wii with motion controls instead of the bongos, and it just doesn't work right. You know, it's not the motion control isn't isn't like doesn't work. It needs to work a hundred percent of the time, and it doesn't. So the game kind of failed on that, which sucks because I was really excited about that Donkey Kong Racing game, and it would have been so cool if they would have just been able to release it on GameCube with with the bongo support. I was yeah, it looks cool if you. You know, have some spare time. Look up some YouTube videos of it. It looks really. I good. just imagine you just keep hearing a horn honk over and over again. Also, I want to play Dark Souls with the bongos. Well, I mean, you won't, all you'll be able to do is attack because you can't move. Supposedly, <laughs> somebody's beating it with the bongos, but I don't know if that's true. lies. I think that might just be an internet legend. <laughs> well, I mean, there's. I, I mentioned it before about trying to play it with Tycho, but there's no actual control pad on the pongos. It's just two buttons. It's A and Y, I think, is what it is on the controller. So there's a start button too. Uh, yeah, and there's a start button, but you can't move. There's no, there's no way to move. Because I remember playing Tony Hawk with the bongos, and basically I could just, I could just ollie and do like a grab, but not, but just one grab because I can't push in a direction. So I mean that was, uh, that was it. So yeah. Well, it's been all Hitman Three for me over here. 
I haven't gotten any new games, but Hitman surprise. 3 is keeping me for a while. Surprise, yeah. surprise. At least you're still getting fun out of it. Oh, yeah. And I, and I will for, I don't know, the foreseeable future. In 10 days, I got the, the amount, the total of how much I've been playing. 10 days, I had 65 hours. Wow. So that's pretty good. That's I think all, the only thing to beat that was Animal Crossing. over a quarter of your time that you're playing, yeah. Yeah, I was really, really into it. Is it still fun? Are you, are you still just doing oh. the? Uh, I mean, what are you doing now? Are you doing the bonus missions or like the different versions of do it in whatever time or whatever whatever it is that you unlocked after you beat it that you were talking about last week? I'm doing the different challenges, yeah. So there's so many different ways to to approach each uh, each of the the uh, missions that I think like I'll spend. Each one, each time, each playthrough, I'll, I'll spend probably two or three hours trying to check off like X number of challenges, and there's sixty challenges total, approximately per mission. So I, I would guess that on the first two missions, I think I have about sixty percent of the challenges completed. The others that I haven't played as much, maybe around thirty percent of the challenges completed. There's a whole lot of content to this game, way more than than it first appears. You hear. Oh, there's only six levels. Like, don't don't even don't sweat it. I mean, the levels are huge. First of all, I, I didn't. I don't think I really touched on that last week. The levels are gigantic. Like, one of them. Well, I don't want to go too much into detail on all the levels and stuff. You should find out for yourself. But suffice it to say, they are they are huge. Um, I found uh, a coronavirus reference in the game, oh, yeah. which I think I alluded to earlier a couple episodes back. But I actually found the the reference, and that's what I said at the top of the show, um, where you're. In the the penthouse suite of the of the um, of the skyscraper in Dubai, and at the top is is this dude who's running the company and all that, and he's berating his uh, uh, his mansion staff because they're making too much noise. It was actually you. You're running around like trying to annoy him, and mm-hmm. uh, go and take a break and play in golf because there's something you can do out on on this little putting green. That he has. Um, so yeah, I'm turning on all the radios and stuff, and he gets so annoyed. He says, "How about you people with coronavirus get more tranquility than this?" Yeah, so it's just kind of funny to see a coronavirus reference in the game. In Not funny, I game. guess, but yeah. yeah. Well, it's that time that it's going to be happening because, right? Yeah, I'm in development. I don't. I mean, I'm sure like the. They, I'm sure they had this in development for a while before that, but in fiz- finishing touches, you know, it would be, well, right. we could just throw something in here. And we're probably going to see more and more and more of that. Right. It's a reminder of how things work now. It's like they work on the game for a long time, then they can put out a patch just before the game comes out. And this like wouldn't have happened in previous eras where they had to have everything ready to go on the cartridge or on the disc. Yeah. And, and you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of that, like in, I don't know, in like movies and TV as well. Like it was uh, Jess and I, and we mentioned this on, on our other show, but we just watched that lockdown movie and it feels, it feels so much like it's like March, 2020. It's like the very beginning of it in <laughs> last year. Hmm. And you, you're going to, you're going to see that when, once people start making movies about like the lockdown and quarantining and all that, you're going to be able to tell the exact time when it took place, or you're going to start to see, you know, references and whatnot of stuff that we've been dealing with for so long. It's going to be, I don't know. We're going to be, we're going to be stuck with it for even more years through references and video games and movies and stuff like that. Yep. yep. You can't yep. escape from it. Hooray. It's even in, it's even in <laughs> the media now. Yeah. Now they're going to remind you what you've been dealing with for months, but it was like, yeah, watching that movie, I was like, I was like, they don't even know this is the beginning. It's only the beginning. And they think it's fun. Just wait, just wait to wait like 10 more months. 
See how fucking fun mm-hmm. it is then. <laughs> Welcome to hell. Like you're not you're not in our in our in our area yet. So at the end of each mission, you get a, a ranking and everything, and it'll give you a, a nickname, sort of alluding to your play style. The one that I keep getting is Trapsmith. So I guess my natural play style is to like set traps and and lure people into them. It's from so all that night trap. That you, it's from all the night trapping yeah. that you played. You're like, That's true. You're like I like I blame night trap. You're like I like Hitman Three, but I wish it was more like Night Trap. Oh wait, there's traps. Okay, I'll, I'll Night Trap did make me a more violent person in Hitman Three. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. You you become the trap smith. But that says something too about like how replayable the game is. Just because I think it's so much fun to like chart your own course in this game. It really encourages you to do that to make your own story. There's always like a little whatever the story is going on on screen in the game, you're also creating your own little story in your head of how you're playing the game. Like watching this person over here. Oh, what if I just sneak over here and I break this electric wire and then I cause a leak coming out the sink so that when this person comes over to get the banana that I'm going to throw on the ground, then he'll, he'll get off, you know? So there's so many, there's just infinite possibilities, I think in this game using your own creativity. And that's why it's so replayable. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you're still having fun with it. And it's definitely, I mean, you've hit the 65. You're almost there. Cause you bought the deluxe edition. So if we do mm-hmm. the do- a dollar an hour, you're almost there. I mean, you'll probably I'll get be there. there. Yeah. Sure you'll be there by next week. Cause you're still not, you're not getting bored with it at all. You're still having, you're still planning on playing know. it for however long. Yeah. I think I'm at 75 hours now, but 65 was just how much I hit in, in that uh, 10 day window. Yeah. Cool. And you're still not having any trouble with the internet and all that with uh, playing the cloud. It's still pretty. Um, same story as was last week. It, it happens, you know, it kicks me off sometimes, but it's, it's really rarely that it happens like so often that it's frustrating me or, you know, I always get enough play time in there at least 40 minutes or so before it happens. Yeah. And, and sometimes I am like, okay, I have had enough. Other than that, there's a few hiccups, a few bits of slowdown here and there. It doesn't bother me that much. And if you didn't hear last week, I have the worst internet I think you could probably have if you have broadband. Yeah. You know, and so I'm a good person to test cloud games on. It doesn't bother me that much. So if that's your hesitation, I'd say don't worry about it. Yeah, I don't think you need that much. Like, I don't think you need, like, something that you would need for, like, I don't know, for Stadia or something like that. Like, I don't think you need, like fiber internet to get it to work i think you can do it on a bare minimum obviously because you put like 65 hours into it with not that strong of a signal so yeah that said if you have a ps4 or an xbox get that version instead just because there's no real like there's no bonus to getting it on switch you might as well get the one Port- you can run portability. The system. <laughs> but not really though if you because you need a I signal mean, unless yeah. you have yeah you need a signal yeah i guess you could use your own use your phones uh whatever you that's could, strong enough. You could do like a hotspot from your phone, which that could, you can only do so much with that. Cool. All right. Well, let's. We could. I think we can do some really quick news stuff here, and then we'll be done. Here is the news. I promise you, it's the news. The, I just want to touch on some new releases this week. Uh, Turrican, or how are you pronounce it? There's there's a Tur there's a Turrican collection available right now, which actually I was looking into. It's kind of high. It's like a twenty nine ninety nine. But uh, Turrican was an old game that Factor Five made it. The guys who did a uh, Rogue Squadron, you know those games. 
I've always heard people talk about it. It's like kind of like a it's like a contra contra ish game. Have you played any of these games, Jeremy? The Turkin games. I've heard about them. I remember Super Turkin. I think I had it on SNES or I played it on an emulator. Yeah, at some point, but that's about it. Yeah, there's a collection that has four games on there. I know there's one missing because I was reading a review of it, and they were upset that there was like the fifth one that was missing. But aside from that, they said it was great, and the games are good in there. Uh, twenty ninety nine is twenty nine ninety nine is a little bit high for me to buy a game that I haven't really played any of as a collection. But I hear I hear it's pretty cool. I was just really, it's like, hey, Factor Five finally made it to the Switch in in this form in in the old uh, Turrican Turrican collection. So so there you go. I think that's pretty cool. Also, there there's some other stuff on there that I thought looked interesting. There's a game called Cultus Simulator. Which came out, which came out this week, and I feel like that one's going to be one that might blow up. It looks, it looks complicated. I watched a trailer of it, but I don't know. It just seems like something that would go that people would be into, you know, because you can, you, you know, you could try to, you can try to like brainwash followers into your into your cult, and there's like alien gods and like all this other weird shit that you can deal with, <laughs> and it looks cool. Like from what I've seen of it, I don't really quite understand how the game works, but it's like. Uh, was it twelve ninety nine or thirteen ninety nine? Which is cheap enough to maybe give it a shot. I don't know. It's one I've been kind of looking at for a while, just because I was like, "Oh, that could be fun to try to, you know, like a Sims, but with cults, <laughs> you know, where you can, I don't know, create create your own uh, weird cult." I heard that can... uh, the Jim Jones Kool Aid is paid DLC. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about this game. Yeah. So I don't know. you're I, I, literally a cult leader, like you're. I think so. Yeah, you're a cult leader, and you basically the the playing of the game is trying to get more followers and more money and stuff like that. I don't know. I've I've like after what like I just uh, Jess and I we watched like all both of the Nexium cult documentaries and like uh Oh yeah. and and the um Heaven's Gate stuff. So and I've always been I mean I've been interested in cults for years. Like even when Jeremy sure. and I were in Christian college together, I took a cults class while I was there. So I mean it's, Come on over to LA. I mean, you see Scientology stuff all over here. Yeah, I was I know, just going through yeah. my my belongings, and uh, I found a little pamphlet that someone handed me in Hollywood. I I kept it just because I think it's fascinating. You know, it's a Scientology pamphlet. Yeah, give give. It's, it'd be funny the way these things work. Like they offer you a free class to come check it out and see how you can solve your life from all that. Like, wouldn't it be funny if if like yeah, you get the game and then like. Oh, it's, the DLC gets more and more expensive and then like all <laughs> yeah. you're playing is cult simulator all the time. You're in, you're, you're, in, you're in your friends saying like, you should feel terrible that you haven't spent $5 on a game this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't you want to have higher scores? Well, don't you want your score to be higher here? Pay this amount and we will read your score level. <laughs> yeah. No, share I, this game with your friends. No, Please I'm share this game with your friends. Yeah. I want to do more research on it because I think like it, it feels like something that could be really, really cool. I don't know. Did, were you able to watch it? Did you did, did you watch any of like the Heaven's Gate documentary, John? Were you able to see any of that? Probably no, not because like it's, H- it's on HBO Max. It's yeah. like it, it's it's short. And well, Jeremy has HBO Max, so you guys should watch it. But uh, it's only like four or five episodes, I think. But it's amazing because some of the people that they interview like still believe that it was real that they that they actually really? went to that UFO or whatever. Like because they have no way of disproving it. It's 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 wow. It's Check it out. It was it, it blew me it blew yeah. me away. Like really, like I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I find that shit incredibly interesting, and that's why I was really interested in the cultist simulator. I'm like, oh, you know, that could be fun. Kind of a dark parallel I've I've heard of 
that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, Trey, about people still believing it is like, I've read stories about people like dying of COVID and they're still denying that they have it, that it's what's killing them like on their deathbed. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, That mentality is cultish. Sure. From, well, I've heard about that from like, uh, you know, like to Twitter posts, like from uh, healthcare workers and stuff like that, talking about being like, here, here, you want to know what the truth is? Here's a bunch of stuff. And to be like, you know, there's, we're trying to like help people that are like can't breathe that are saying that they are not that that is this this is they don't even believe that it's happening to them even even when it is killing them like you're saying yeah. like it's it's amazing like yeah Jewish space lasers zap my lungs that's what's happening yeah wow <laughs> that's the new thing yeah oh my god but yeah it's I guess it's fitting for this time this this game I'm I'm really interested in it so. Also, this other game called Blue Fire. I know you you posted the trailer on the on the Slack before. Uh, that's out. Yeah, this it looks week. really cool. It kind of looks like a like Zelda ish game, but with a lot more uh, 3D platforming in it. Looks like there's a lot of jumping and stuff from what I saw from the trailer on the Switch. It's on sale right now. It's two dollars off, so it's only like seventeen ninety nine instead of nineteen ninety nine. But it looks like like Wind Waker by way of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. It even had a little bit of a Ghost Runner vibes in there for me because they were there are parts where you're jumping from wall to wall because you do that in Ghost Runner also, but not in first person. I don't know. I thought that looked interesting. And there's also a new RPG on there called Haven, which kind of looks like Journey, like the game Journey from PlayStation Three, except in RPG form. And I guess you were this you were this couple that's on the run, like sort of a Romeo and Juliet saga style thing. On the run, on the run from the whatever science fiction government, and you're in this world, and you go around together, and there's like sort of turn based battling in there. I know I really like the art style of it from what from what I saw of the trailer, and that one was really intriguing too. I still have like fifteen dollars on my eShop, so I'm just kind of I was still thinking about maybe getting something, you know, like that. I don't know. It's still kind of up in the air for me, but those are the releases this week that I thought was pretty cool. Moving on. Apex Legends now officially got announced for the Switch. I think it's not out yet. It's not out yet, but it's supposed to come out on the 9th. There was a whole bunch of like rumors about it. There's even like an Apex Legends controller that I saw. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and I didn't even know that Apex was a spinoff of Titanfall. I didn't even know that either. That shows how much I know about Apex Legends. It's just, I figured it was like another Fortnite type thing. I mentioned it on the Slack when I posted it. It's like another game for me to play for a week, maybe, and then delete. But it's free to play, so whatever. I'll give it a try, and I'll try it. There's like two other free-to-play games that are dropping this week that I've... Well, there's one that's already dropped, and then there's another like multiplayer action RPG thing called like something... I don't know. Godforge or something like that. It's just... Uh, like, like I said before, if you have a Switch and you don't want to spend any money, there's a lot of free stuff to play. And just because I heard a lot of stuff about Apex Legend, I just want to at least try it. So there you go. I think I predicted it for E3 like years ago for one of our E3 predictions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I just... it was really popular. I want to say like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember people I work with talking about playing it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we have that coming coming up next month, at least next month. I can't believe uh, it, re- it really, it really makes me sad to think that because like I, you know, my birthday is in May. And my birthday was in the pandemic, and my birthday is like four months away now, or like three months away now. That's depressing to me that I spent like my whole year of forty not really doing anything. <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a weird thing to think of. It's kind of depressing. 
At least you got to go to Tokyo right before all this. Yeah. I mean, at least I have this podcast to do. If I wasn't doing that, then I'd feel even more worthless. (laughs) But I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, I can't believe it's like, it's like, all right, I'm almost like 41. And my four, in my beginning of my 40s was this. (laughs) What a way to start. Yeah. Struggling to survive in a bullshit uh, quarantine. Not that it's bullshit that we're quarantined. It just sucks that the country didn't do much about it to try to help it. Aside from go out and make us money, like let God sort them out, as they say. Open up restaurants, leave schools closed, right? Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, open up with the money. Bring in the money, still. We need the money. Yeah. So, uh, G four confirmed X play and Attack of the Show coming back. That's not yeah, really I guess those surprising. Are the two most popular shows. So. Yeah, not really surprising to me. Are they going to have this? I mean, they're not going to have Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb do X play, right? I mean, I think he is involved. I mean, well, I know that they did like a reunion thing for Thanksgiving that was on YouTube, and both of them were on there. And I don't know if she's involved, but I got the impression that he's going to be involved with this iteration of X play. Yeah, he's on. So. I mean, I mean, I saw he's been tweeting about it, so. And wasn't uh, what's her face was too, right? Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn. Yeah, she said stuff about it. Yeah, too. she was on there. Yeah, she was on. She's a, back on. She's confirmed to be back on the network. And so she was on Attack of the Show, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I now don't still still to be confirmed is exactly what G Four is going to be. The speculation is that because it's owned by Universal, that it will be something on Peacock, the, the <sighs> NBC streaming service. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, everything is so dumb now. But yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, I have like four. I have way too many streaming services already, but I can't, I need more. No, uh, but I, I don't have, I don't have Peacock, but it's just like, yeah, there's Peacock. And then, uh, and now the CBS All Access is actually like changing to, it's going to become like Paramount Network or something like that. And, and now there's like an AMC Plus also. And then there's also like a, an HGTV Discovery Plus thing as well. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's getting to the point of where you'll, and I figured it would eventually get to where if you want to see everything, you'll be playing the, paying the same amount or more than it would be yeah. to get like full on, you know, full on cable and all that stuff. So it is a little preferable still because if you want to just take it all apart and like I just want to do Netflix, so yeah. that's what I do. Or if you wanted, if I wanted to do one more, if I wanted to add Disney Plus on there, mm-hmm. pay another seven bucks or something, cool. Yeah. If you really want to get all that content, I mean. And you could pay 60 or 80 bucks a month like you were for cable. But for those of us who don't, I think it's a better deal. Sure. Yeah. It's just, um, I wouldn't, I'm just saying, I'm not going to pay for G4. If they do, if they do their own streaming service, I don't care. I mean, I don't really, I don't really care that much anyway. So I wouldn't, I I don't think it's going to be their own thing, but it'll be on, on Peacock, like separate little window on, on that service. Yeah. I haven't, I have yet to watch Peacock. Uh, there was like a movie that we were watching for How Is It Now that was on there for free with ads, but I realized from the past couple of times trying to watch stuff on like IMDb TV or whatever with ads. Wait, how I, have you been watching The Office? I don't watch The Office. How have you been watching The Office if you don't have Peacock? I mean, don't you watch it every day like you're supposed to? No, I've never. I've, I've, I've only. I mean, Jess likes it. I've watched episodes with her, but I've only seen like the first season of The Office. So there you go. What? I know it's. I know it's funny. I've seen parts of it. I think it's funny. I have no desire to watch it though. So there you go. <laughs> I have no desire to see all the episodes. I, I've seen enough that I understand what's happening. Whatever they work at an office, it's funny. But uh, it was uh, on Peacock. You can watch some stuff with uh with commercials. And 
we pretty much decided that I'd, I'd rather just pay the extra like three dollars to just rent it through Amazon, so I don't have to watch a movie with commercials in there. Because it really, it really kills me when it like breaks the mood, where it's like you're watching some sort of really depressing movie, and all of a sudden some asshole wants to show up and tell you about his fucking YouTube video or something. It's like uh, I don't, you, I don't care about you. You're really breaking the mood here. So that's how I feel about Peacock. Not paying, not paying for that shit. I'm already torn, torn between like two anime streaming services, and I almost want the other one too because they have different shows on them and whatever. But speaking of streaming stuff, new Sonic TV show supposedly coming to Netflix. Sonic Prime, cool. I guess I don't know. I never watched any other Sonic stuff. Which I'm not going to lie. When I saw, I just saw Sonic Prime in a headline and thought, "Wait, is there a subscription Sonic now?" <laughs> <laughs> Pay more for extra speed. Thought he was fast speed. before. Now he comes two days faster. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pay more for your speed limit. Uh, more. Yeah, sure. More video game stuff. Whatever. Uh, maybe somebody will make a good Sonic thing eventually. There's always hopes for that. I don't. Know. I, I want Sonic the movie to be on a streaming service that I already saw, so I can watch it again and get disappointed a second time. You know, without the wind in my face this time. <laughs> you know, watch, <laughs> watch it from comfort of my own home. This uh, this next article on here is actually pretty interesting because it's really confusing as the way that they that most places have said stuff about it this whole uh, leaked star fox uh, claymation footage this actually apparently this means that both of them are canceled like it it makes it look like star fox is canceled but but zelda is still happening but from what i heard from reading the article nothing is happening for netflix with nintendo like they're all done so there was- they're not doing any of them anymore there was two projects in development one was Star Fox TV show, which was being produced by College Humor. I guess maybe it was. The impression that I got was that it was going to be like a maybe like a web series or something like short cartoons of Star Fox done in the style of they said specifically the Fantastic Mr. Fox, the Wes Anderson movie. And then the other thing was the Netflix Legend of Zelda series, and we remember, of course, when word got out about the Zelda series, apparently that got Nintendo a little nervous and they just canceled both. Yeah. It's something about not having control over their most valuable IP scared them. Yeah. Some of the ways that, uh, that has been posted, it makes it look like Star Fox is canceled, but Zelda isn't, but no, they're both gone. So there you go. Less reason to keep Netflix, I guess. I don't know. I, I've, I really, well, I don't actually just pays for that. So I don't have to worry about that. Of my end, but I don't watch. I don't watch that much stuff on it. Actually, I guess the only thing I've been watching the new uh, Disenchanted is on there, so I've been watching some of that. But whatever. There's new Nintendo uh, toys and Burger King. Give one. Give some people a reason to go to Burger King. Have you guys been <laughs> to Burger King lately? It looks like a very. It's a very sad place. I don't know mm-hmm. if it looks like this in in your town, but when we were doing deliveries, when we'd go to Burger King, it's like the saddest ass fast food restaurant there is. It's like it's like the bottom of the layer of fat. It's one of my least favorite. It looks like no it looks like nobody goes there and their menus haven't been changed since the seventies. Like it looks really abandoned and, and, and like dilapidated and all that. Like it really seems like the place no they one have cares the, about. The impossible burger there. Yeah, that's true. They do have that the was last time I went. Yeah. But all but all the Burger Kings in Chicago look like I don't know, they all look like shit. Like it's like nobody's really renovated any of them. They all look fucking old. So I don't know. I've got one like two blocks from me. That uh, I last went to, I was want to say that was in January of 2020. So, but that that looks all right. I don't know. That looks still kind of new. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they always seem compared to like the Wendy's and the McDonald's and like the Taco Bells and stuff. Like they are way, way nicer. I mean, we have fucking Taco Bell cantinas in Chicago where you can buy bo- buy booze and stuff. Well, they used to. I don't know if they do anymore. Like that's because you know people don't really hang out there. But maybe they'll look a little nicer now that they have Nintendo toys there. Yeah, they they from what I saw the picture of them, they look like pieces of paper like stuck in a plastic holder yeah. or something. They look kind of shitty. <laughs> like they don't, they really, don't look super high quality. I mean, they don't. They don't look. Yeah, like the like nothing's the la- ever going to top the Mario toys from McDonald's. The Mario three toys. I mean, some of them look 3. really. Yeah, like, those were great. Some of them look really bad. Like, look at the Link one. It looks like a sticker of Link on a plastic thing stuck on a. It just looks. It, I don't know. To me, it looks bad. It looks like they're badly made. I don't know. Looks kind of cheap. It doesn't look like something I want to get. Like maybe the maybe the silver Mario Kart or the gray Mario Kart, and like the Mario, uh, the Super Mario Maker. But the ones that are just stickers on plastic, I'd be really mad if I got that one. It's like not even a toy. It's just a printed thing. <laughs> it's like okay, it's, it seems cheap, but I guess it's fitting with the with that restaurant. I was. I think it's maybe my favorite bit of news here. Nintendo is replacing their two decade old multiplayer server system. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's probably Amen. the one that was the one thing that I was like, we got to at least talk about this because does this mean that the multiplayer on like Super Mario Maker is going to get is going to be like better now finally? I hope so. Cuz yeah, two I guess I originally thought of it as t- as two year old, but I'm like, no, that's too that's too small. But yeah, two decade old multiplayer server system. I mean, really that makes a whole lot of fucking sense. Like hopefully I mean, hopefully we notice a change in the multiplayer on the Switch because maybe they realize that you have a shit ton of free-to-play games there, lots of, like, fucking online multiplayer stuff. Fix that shit. I mean, that actually makes me feel positive, (laughs) you know, that it's like, okay, maybe you can can figure shit out and it'll be better. And Mario Mario Maker 2 will be less laggy. And we can actually, you know, Jess and I can actually, like, play it multiplayer because... As of right now, even from the two of us sitting right next to each other trying to get online, it does not work great. So, I don't know. It says the system they currently use is called Nex, N-E-X, and it's been used since the 3DS and Wii U era. And it says it was an 18-year-old system that Nintendo felt the need to update. I'm a little confused about the timeline because it's 18 years ago. That would be like, what, 2003? I'm yeah, thinking more right. like the Game. original DS. So I'll say the original like, well, DS, yeah. Well, it's like or like the the GameCube, like because uh, the GameCube had a modem, but you had to buy it separately. But they That's did right. u- they did Fantasy use it. Star. Yeah, it was used for Fantasy Star Online. Okay. And you and there was somebody there was the warp <laughs> pipe program that somebody mm-hmm. built to where you could play Mario Kart online, but you had to you know have it run through your computer and then it would do this other thing. But I don't think that would have been using the servers. No, but I mean, yeah, it's like, what was it for? If it was in, it was in 2003, yeah, it would have to have been like GameCube, GameCube era. Maybe Metroid Prime Hunters. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would bet that primarily it was just the thing that they were developing in 2003 for the games that came out in like 2005. Like, say, Mario Kart DS was, I think, the, the first big Nintendo online game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was. Yeah. So it's like the same stuff that was using. I mean, it doesn't, it really doesn't surprise me, but it's a, but yeah, it's about time you updated your shit, guys. Like this, it's like this Yokoi model of a wither technology, doing new things with wither technology. Th- this is what less. this is what that twenty dollars a year that we've been paying them for uh, 
<laughs> for for the Nintendo Club, whatever thing. Yeah. This is what got it. the mice that run the wheels on their <laughs> online servers. Yep. But this is what it got. Since we gave them twenty dollars a year for three years, they finally got enough money to change their two decade old multiplayer system. So there, there you go. Yeah i i hope for I hope for the best on that one. Um, I wanted to mention this. Uh, this goes back to back to my Michigan roots. So there's a place called. Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. This is a Nintendo, by the way. Uh, Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum, uh, which I would describe it as like a cousin to to Galloping Ghost, in that they have mechanical arcade machines, and I'm talking about like some pinball, but mostly like stuff in the etc. category, stuff from like the 1920s, like real, real practically ancient machines. And it's just like a really cool place that you can go and see the begin the very, very beginnings of the arcade industry. They are holding a GoFundMe to help with their COVID nineteen costs. So go on GoFundMe and check out Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. It's a really cool place. Toss them a few bucks if you can. I I'll put a link to it in the description of this episode. So if anybody wants to take a look at it, they can. And it looks like they're trying to raise 125,000 and they're like 83,000 right now. So, so yeah, they got yeah. some fans, but no, that's this cool. Is a place that, yeah. This was like, um, this, this place was just a few blocks away from my grandma's house. And I didn't, I didn't know about, it. I guess I didn't go toward that end of my grandma's neighborhood for a long time until I was in high school. And I happened to go, go out to high school near my grandma's house. And I was driving around there. I just took a, turned on a way I didn't normally go. And a lot like Galloping Ghost, it's just kind of this place that looks like it doesn't belong where it's at. It's yeah. Like you can't believe it's there. It's like it's like at a strip mall or something. And then all of a sudden there's this marquee that is like an old circus marquee. Like it's really ornate, lots of lights and what is that doing next to like a, a hair salon, you know? This is very, very strange. And so I just knew I had to go in there at one point. And so I, I, uh, a couple of weeks later, I went, drove out there with the intent of going in and see, seeing what was inside there. And it was just like this amazing place. So, uh, I only went the one time when I was in high school and it's just stuck with me ever since. And so when I saw that they needed some help, I thought I can put them on the show and shine a little light on them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. I'll have a link to it. It sounds like an interesting thing and something I would definitely go to if I was in the area, you know, and I've had, you know, we were before the pandemic, Jess and I were actually planning on, I don't know where it is in, in Michigan, but we were actually planning on going to Grand Rapids, Michigan for a, for a minute because we really liked it there right before the pandemic. And then, you know, that was almost a year ago, but <laughs> that was our plan was to just go stay there for like a weekend or something. And, you know, I don't know where, the, where in Michigan it is, but Michigan's a cool place is what I'm saying. Like I've gone to, a lot of cool breweries and stuff there and whatnot. So, but I think that's, I think that's good for this episode. Um, this has been episode 256. Thank you everyone for listening this long at the end here. If you want to help us out, like, like this, uh, Marvin's place, you can go to Nintendo, you can go to patreon.com slash Nintendo main podcast. And if you donate a dollar, you get access to bonus shows that are locked behind that. Uh, we have a show called Expansion Pack. There's a 
I think there's like 28 episodes on there. Well, there will be. There's a new one we just recorded, which will be up soon. It'll be up this week, I promise. So you'll get instant instant access to that and all the other ones that we've done. Uh, I think there's actually like 23 official, 22 or 23 official expansion packs up, but there's also bonus episodes on top of that that have to do with various various episodes that we've done. All you have to do is search EXP after you get the web uh, the RSS feed for the Patreon feed, and you'll get this show ahead of time with no commercial and a higher bit rate and all that stuff as well. Plus, you know, you can message us through that and all that stuff. So if you want to support the show and help us out, go there and you get, and there's other levels and stuff like that. And, uh, we have, you know, we have a Nintendo main podcast.com, youtube.com slash Nintendo main, uh, twitch.tv slash Nintendo main podcast, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Nintendo underscore domain. Jeremy is at JMAX stack. And yeah, that's that's our stuff. I have another show called How Is It Now, where Justin and I talk about older movies and how they are now. The one that I just posted was Dallas Buyers Club was the last one that we did. So that one was fun. Check that out on there. And uh, Jeremy has a show as well. I have a show, uh, Dinosaurs AD, which is looking at the show Dinosaurs uh, episode by episode, at least for the first season. And we're trying our best to find parallels to modern society in it, which isn't too hard to do because this was made in the nineties when things were just not a whole lot different than they are now. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool show. I'm having fun recording it with my partner, Shauna. We'll have the second episode up soon. And right now it's on Spotify. You can find it under dinosaurs. AD. It's a little easier to find it. If you just search for my name, Jeremy Mikowski, but I'm hoping by next week to have it on more platforms. Yeah. And we'll have, yeah, and I'll post the first episode once it gets on other, once it is able to access it through a regular podcast app. We'll post the first episode here. But yeah, we've been your hosts. I'm Trey. I'm Jeremy. John. No last names this week. (laughs) Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. We'll see you. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ate the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with a finger and a thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. Back to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't go. Yeah.